Let me know what you want to do. What do I want to do? Let's do a show, I guess. Okay. Sneaky Dragon, I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm that other guy. Yeah. You know, uh, Fred Flintstone's Yabba Dabba Doo uh, was created when uh, the, uh, I forget who was doing the voice, but uh, uh, not Alan something, but anyway, it was one of those guys. Uh, it was supposed to say Yow and didn't say Yow and then uh, said Yabba Dabba Doo. And just like, <laughs> really? yeah. And they went, that's good. And uh, they used that and that was uh, where Yabba Dabba Doo came from. And what did he see from it? Did he see a plug nickel from that? No. All he got was a lot of work. Wait, that's good. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> it all worked out fine. It all worked out fine. Yeah, you'd think there'd be a connection between Yabba Dabba Doo and Scooby Doo, but uh, nope, nope. Scooby Doo was taken from Frank Sinatra. Not even that. Oh, what's it from? Because Frank Sinatra never said Scooby Doo. What did he say? He said Dooby Doo. He just said Dooby Dooby Doo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Strangers in the night. Dooby Dooby Doo. That's where it comes from. It's uh, I mean, we'd looked it up in the past because we had this con. We because we did um. That Archie song, Scooby-Doo. Okay. S-K-O-O-B-Y-D-O-O. All right. And it, and it's spelled out as all, like, as all individual initials in the, in the song. But it first appears in a Sly, Sly and the Family Stone song, Everyday People, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, oh, okay. so on and so on. That's the first appearance of that. So on and so on and Scooby-Dooby-Dooby. Yeah. yeah, all Scooby-Dooby-Doo right. Scooby-Dooby-Doo on, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so, but the person who who named Scooby-Doo, said he took it from Strangers of the Night, and I think it's just a bit a case of the Mandela effect where we think that he says Scooby-Doo, Strangers sure, of the Night. Sure, sure, sure. And then that sort of become our, our memory of it. Okay, so. fair enough. You know what's a weird thing to me is uh, thinking that uh, Scooby-Doo, as far as I know, and you correct me if I'm wrong, everyone out there. Not me, though? Okay. Has never teamed up yeah. with Archie. Teamed up with everyone else. Hmm. Teamed up with so many others, like ridiculous yeah. amounts, like opera singers, Don Knotts. That's weird. Adam's family, Batman, multiple times. And you think like those two live in similar worlds. Yeah. There's going to be some crossover there. Uh, there's even been Archie mysteries. There's been like, you know, very similar <laughs> things. They both have yeah. dogs that are kind of, are they, you know, similar. Are they owned by separate companies? Well, Archie Comics and, uh, and Hanna-Barbera. But that never stopped Hanna-Barbera from teaming up, you know, Scooby-Doo with everybody. You know, there's the Scooby-Doo movies. They've teamed up with Weird Al Yankovic for crying out loud. Yeah, but those are like individuals. They're not, they're not. uh, Did Warner, okay, did Hanna-Barbera, I guess maybe Hanna-Barbera was doing The Addams Family at the time as like an animated series. But it just feels like Scooby-Doo is real loose with like teaming up with people. Well, he's teamed up with Supernatural for crying out loud. Like, it's just strange that they've never, uh, you know, had a crossover as far as I know Mm. in the past. They're Mm. teens that, you know are of that certain you know are for that certain demographic never uh and started around the same time have been popular for decades yeah and uh as far as i know never met weird yeah I guess there's money to be made there's profit I'm they sure. teamed up with freaking punisher rg yeah, yeah so it's not like either side has gone like we've got standards <laughs> like like we got to make this make sense so yeah they've teamed up with you know scooby-doo's teamed up with the winchesters yeah. and they've teamed up with the punisher time to write that uh time to write that story uh, fuck uh now that i'm thinking about it scooby-doo teamed up with predator hmm. you know they just did a thing where like they, they had teamed like, up with or teamed up against 
You know, I'm going to guess probably there was probably a worse predator and they teamed up with the better predator, had more honor. I'm going to guess. But uh, Sabrina had her spine torn out by a predator. Rough, rough uh, day for Sabrina. Yeah. She didn't expect that. That's what Scooby-Doo said after it happened. No, he wouldn't. You're thinking hot dog. Hot dog would have said that. I wasn't thinking of anyone. Okay. And both of them had uh, shows where they were like uh, little kids or a little, you know, it's a little Archie. Mm -hmm. And they had like a pup named Scooby-Doo. A pup named Scooby-Doo, and it was like a, a, a little arch, a little, yeah, a little, little kid's Scooby-Doo. Uh, version of, uh, of oh. Scooby-Doo, yeah. Yeah, so they both done that thing. Little They're very Scooby-Doo, similar in a lot of ways. a little you, we yeah. got some little work, work to, to do, do now. Yeah, though, you know, uh, Archie has always been like a horn dog for Betty and Veronica, and only in recent years have they started to interdate on Scooby-Doo. Before it was all just like getting down to mystery business. Yeah, and, so it uh, should be. Yeah, you don't want you don't want Shaggy dating Velma. I don't want all that. I don't want a bunch of personal stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't need that uh, like, coloring thing. It's like when, you know, Law and Order started adding like trying to color in the characters with more backstory. And you're like, ugh, get out of here with that. No, just be dumb. Get the wrong person. <laughs> for, for 40 minutes. Yeah, and then like <laughs> screw it up at the end, drop the ball, and then have a thing where you're just like... Did we really do the right yeah. thing? No, you didn't. You were bad. You're all bad at your jobs. Everyone at Law and Order is terrible. Are you terrible, talking about terrible. SVU? Or are you talking about the original all Law period. And Order? Period. Like okay. the end. All yeah. of it. Like I just watched a, the the most recent Law and Order episode. Yeah. And it was one where there was like a murderer, and uh, there was uh, some uh, you know, people who were in the country illegally. Yeah. Uh, did you see this? Is this why you're nope. saying like that one? Okay. And uh, and yeah. And so. You know, I was just sort of thinking ripped from today's headlines. Right. So, you know, they uh, they knew they knew about a murder because the gangsters didn't or who who said, you know, go kill that person. They don't see the the person who's the illegal person who's there. No, they're not illegal people. That's not the right term. But, you know, uh, they don't see them there. They don't even treat them as people. So they don't even mm. think about it. Mm. And then, um, you know, so they're going to testify. But all oh, ice, you know, swooped in and scooped up the woman and her daughter. And we're going to take her back to the country that was bad. And it was because the murderer... The unnamed country that was bad? Well, no, it begins with an L. I forget what it was, but it was an L country. Oh, Luxembourg. Uh, sure. Uh, and uh, in, and you had the, uh, not the district attorney, but whatever, assistant, 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 say to her, you know, we're going to make sure that, you know, uh, you're at least here for the full trial and, you know, trust me. And once you say here, trust me, you know, it's going to be the bummer ending. And yeah, and then uh, she doesn't testify because she gets like scooped away and, and sent off. And uh, they're terrible. They're bad at their job. The The district attorney offer, office, uh, shitty. Shitty at their job, not good. Mm. Uh, the cops, not good. Smacking around the wrong guy, not good. <laughs> no one's good. And then SFU, they're not good and dumb. But law and order, they're not good and you know competent. But uh, mm. the law and order SVU, they're just dumb dobes. <laughs> I like that you called it SFU. First. Did I call it SFU? Yeah. Oh, okay. They're all getting their degree in cop <laughs> copology. Yeah. Sure. They do copology at SFU. I'm sorry, the one with Jeff Goldblum didn't work out. I kind of liked him on it. He had a weird uh, energy to it. On a Law and Order show? Yeah. It was Law and Order. It was one of those, uh, it was the same one that had uh, Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. Oh, Criminal Intent. Criminal Intent, yeah. Mm. So he was one of the, he was the alternate to Vincent D'Onofrio when he had uh, better things to do. And <laughs> yeah, he had a good uh, energy to him. I liked mm. it. I liked mm. him. He wasn't being uh, total Jeff Goldblum, but he had a good uh, vibe to him. Mm. 
Mm. There was there was one that was the first one he did, and uh, I liked it because it was like a piano player who was really smug, and he was like this amazing concert pianist. And uh, and then you know they were interrogating him, and you know he was like saying something about his skill. And uh, and then Jeff Goldblum goes over to the piano and just like plays something amazing, and then just turns back to him and goes, "And I'm just some guy." And then it goes back to interviewing. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Well, speaking of mystery shows, uh, Poker Face wrapped up its uh, season mm-hmm. yesterday. I guess that was fun. Mm-hmm. It was a fun ride. I'm gonna miss it. I it was it was the first time for a while that we've had a weekly show to watch. Oh, cool. And I, I used to, you know, we used to watch, um, we had our various weekly shows over time, you know, what House was our weekly show for a while, then we, I can't remember what else, but then uh, Person of Interest, you know, just shows that we liked, we followed, we looked forward to each week that it would come on. I purposefully like paid extra so I could have the, you know, where you have the time shift thing where you get like the Eastern channels. Okay. East Coast channel. So then the show's on earlier. So then when we're finished dinner, we could watch it. Oh, nice. We wouldn't have to wait till nine o'clock at night to, to watch it. We could watch it or their version and see all see everything that's happening back in uh, Massachusetts. <laughs> Usually in the wintertime, it'd be a lot of uh, you know banner things along the bottom telling people to stay indoors because some horrible storm was coming. Yeah. That's always nice when you're watching a show and boop, boop, boop. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Nothing to do with us, but yeah. all right. Yeah. There should be something on your screen which should allow you to go like, I got it. And then you can like <laughs> click it off. I'm like, I get it. Yeah, I understand. But, you know, you? I, I'm worried for Albany, but I'm in <laughs> Vancouver, you know, and uh, I wish everyone in Albany the best. Yeah. And I hope them the best. I think something that the that Poker Face did really well, like it, it definitely tapped into nostalgia with like the titles and other things. Sure. Which, I mean, to a certain generation, that's. When you see a bunch of Roman numerals, yeah, you're there like ah, you're just waiting for the end and have the the, the mark. Remember the mark four or whatever would come yeah. like the ting. You'd be like ah, oh, there's emergency. Yeah, uh, but I think something that they did, which was very smart, is they rewarded you for for watching, as in watching for details and things. Because you'd watch something and then they'd reveal extra things about the thing you just watched <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah, and so you're like, oh, okay. And you, it, it's a little, it's a little thing that goes off in your head of just like, ah, oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad I watched that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. This is great. Whereas if you watch like an old Columbo's fine. Columbo's a great character. The dynamic of Columbo is. The slob versus the snob. Yeah. And uh, they underestimate Columbo. And then he sometimes what he says at the end makes sense. Sometimes he just guesses. Sometimes <laughs> it's pure luck. But uh, there's no real reward for you for watching the earlier bits. Like you can watch the last half hour of Columbo and got it, understood. Under- but uh, this, they really do reward you. You know, there was a thing where they had a flashback to what one character was doing during the other nine episodes yeah and yeah. it was like yeah and it was just nice it was like oh yeah i remember that i see what's in the background there oh yeah i remember oh that's great yeah yeah it's just it's very very satisfying yeah. see the ghost of pensacola okay yeah yeah that's they make reference to other characters and what happened to them and it's yeah it just feels like a fuller richer nice dense world that, mm. that you're in but you can also kind of watch it lightly as well and just enjoy you know uh her and it's yeah it's great that was fun it was a good episode as well it was fun to see her acting again with clea duvall after all these years but right she was in the but i'm a cheerleader yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. they were in that together like it was like i didn't know what the deal was like when when they get introduced and again i'm not going to spoil what the happens in the episode but when i saw her it was like 
this is stunt casting. This Everything about this sets up stunt casting. There's something about these two. And my assumption was that it was Orange is the New Black. Because when it's something I don't understand, oh, it's okay. almost always Orange is the New Black. But it, it wasn't. Yeah, it was, as you say. <laughs> but, I'm a, but I'm a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun to see that little nod. I mean, partly it's that and partly they're friends. So they can, you know... They want to work together, so. And again, they get she. Everyone gets something to do. Mm-hmm. Like if there's an actor who's on the show, they get some num 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 scenery chewing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. You let actors act. It's yeah. great. Yeah, and it's fun. They don't reveal who the voice of the 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 next baddie is uh, until unless you read the credits into the show. So did you figure it out? I couldn't recognize her voice. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to look in the credits and go, oh, that's who it was. Sounds so familiar, but I yeah, can't. we figured we figured it out. Yeah, we're like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but could it be that? Yeah. But that person? Yeah. But yeah, this is the kind of show that would use an actor that you wouldn't expect. It's like, ah, you're right. Yeah, good point. And then there's a, there's a follow-up, which I'll ask you about like later on. Yes. Uh, off, 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 off air. Off mic. Off mic. Yeah. But they're going uh, to do more. It's been renewed for a second season. So Hooray, that's nice. Huzzah. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later. I don't know how much Ryan Johnson is uh, doing. I'm sure. I'm well, he's assuming, got another Knives Out movie to make. So I'm assuming he's really a hot ticket. I don't know if there's going to be any more Russian dolls in the meantime or anything mm. like that. And I do like a Russian doll, but I got to say I like this more. I like the I like the first season of Russian Doll. I found the second season a little not not as interesting. I think I was more tired though too, so I had trouble staying awake and following it. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, of uh, repeating things, as you know. So something <laughs> like uh, Groundhog Day for me is ugh, and it's a it's a device that's on every sci-fi fantasy show that mm. everyone uses it yeah yeah there's a first person shooter that i'm interested in playing but it uses that device as well and it's mm. like god damn it <laughs> yeah uh i i kind of enjoy it i mean t- talking is because really part of poker face is repeating is a repetition which makes you're just you're just exclaiming over the fun of repetition to kind of um open up or reveal more and i feel that way about groundhog day and i feel that way about I think it's called Palm Springs with, um, you know who it is. Yeah, uh, Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg, yes, yeah. And the other person. Yes. Yeah, and that's all fine. It's fine. I enjoyed that one as well. I. It's a, it's a it's device a that works. It's a format like Edge of Tomorrow, once again. Did Supernatural do an episode like that? I'm sure it did. Oh, my, I'm yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure X-Files <laughs> did. did. I'm, like, any time you're going down any of those rabbit holes, mm. did, did Buffy do one like that? A repeating one? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Maybe not. Maybe they were before... That kind of thing, and it yeah, didn't. I don't know. I don't remember that being a. Hmm. But it's a pretty common thing. It like the video game that I'm going to be trying to play. It's a strange thing to me because video games are that anyway. You know, at least old video games were. Which yeah. is you start at the beginning, you try and get it right, and go as far as you can, and then ah, oh, you died. Now you go back to the beginning. It's a video game. Mm. That's what it is. And you know, each time you get a little better. Each time you get a little better. At least time you get a little better. I thought the one movie that really did that right was uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed it was like that. this all. That was very video gaming, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're learning, you're Every learning, you're learning, point. you're learning, you're learning, you're learning, you're learning. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very good film in that way, but it's also a very good film in that it knows how to heighten the stakes. You know, you know what I mean. Like the final part of the movie, you don't have a save point anymore, so it's all, it's just go for it. If we fail, it was, you know, we fail forever. But you know, just uh, they just, you know. That darn Christopher Quarry, he knows how to knows how to plot a movie. That guy, and it's one of the only movies you see Tom Cruise constantly fail in. 
which mm-hmm. is fun. Yeah, yeah. Because he's yeah. he's the guy who will jump from building to building and grab on at the last second and and do the impossible yeah, thing. But this and fa- so it's this fun to see him Mission, like miss. Mission Impossible has failure though. It has it has ultimate almost, success. Almost failure. Yeah. It has ultimate success, but yeah. you know everything screws up a little bit. The glove yeah. doesn't work totally right. Yeah, you got to figure it out. But. And then they miss it. Like you're talking about Ghost Protocol, they they screw up that part of the mission. The guy escapes with the plans. So now yeah. they have to that up that ups the ante. Now they have more. They're it's even more uh, vital that they that they catch this person. But if Tom Cruise is doing an amazing stunt and he's on a motorcycle and he's got to jump onto a truck, he's going to land on the truck. <laughs> well, Whereas in this one, he yeah. will miss the truck. Yeah. He will land on his face and be a big <laughs> smear on the pavement. Yeah, and that's uh, interesting to watch. Yeah, well, trucks. Yeah, he rolls under a truck. That's <laughs> he's trying to get away. They're doing the push-ups, and then he tries to roll out of the way, and then rolls under a truck a couple times. In, oh, okay. In, uh, All right. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah, it's a fun, that's a fun film. I just watched it a little while ago because Lisa said I had never seen that movie, and I said, "No, no, we saw it in the theater together." She's, "No, no, I never saw it." All right, let me put it on, and then you'll about three quarters of the way through, you're gonna go, "Oh yeah, this movie." So about three quarters of the way through, she went, "Oh yeah, this movie." <laughs> Let me give you some popcorn. We're going to really set the mood. <laughs> anyway, it's I'm a film s- I... I'm going to sit behind you and start talking like the guy in the theater did. It's a film I like a lot. So it uh, it has that, it's, it's, and it's part of that classic Christmas story where I, I was Christmas shopping and I, I saw Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. They just said put it out on Blu-ray in the, in the metal box. And I was like, oh man, okay, I have to get this because if I don't, I won't find it again. And so I, I, I bought it. I mean, it was one of those things, this was HMV in the good old HMV days. You know, if you bought that, you could get another DVD for ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, oh, I'll get Edge of Tomorrow. So I bought Edge of Tomorrow, brought them home. Then I was like, okay, I can't open these though because I might get them for Christmas. So I'll just put them aside until after Christmas. Then I'll, you know. And so then on Christmas Day, I opened a gift from Eve, and it's Scott Pilgrim, and she bought it at HMV, so she got the ten dollar yeah. thing. What did she choose? Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know me so well. Oh, what would have been so fun. You could have done like the weirdest magic trick in the world, which would be like, you know, just like go to the fireplace, and just go, I don't like them, and just toss them in the fireplace. Like, what? No, wait a second. Follow me to the kitchen and uh, open the fridge. And yeah. then it's in, whoa. It's like, yeah, they're dad's magic. Well, I took the other route and I took them back all my money. <laughs> yeah, that's the other way to go. Absolutely. The more practical way. And also, your way. In- it seems to, I would have to have known that she was going to give me those, which I didn't. So, right. There's a surprise. I didn't have them sitting in the fridge on the possibility. Although I should have. Maybe I should have just put them in there. Yeah, it's fine. A, yeah. And then, the possibility. ta da. Is this your car? Uh, yeah. yeah. And then you go, tell me how you did that. And it's like, no. Let me look in the fireplace. No, don't look in the fireplace. <laughs> the two melted boxes. <laughs> yeah. Especially since it's a gas fireplace and I shouldn't be throwing things in it. Yeah, that's also a problem. Okay, my ideas are not. Uh, my ideas are not good. That's all right. They don't have to be good. Oh no, it's it's a good idea. I just don't know about the fireplace part of it. Remember, there was, was a. Other ways around. I think I've told you this before, but once upon a time, I was uh, uh, doing a magic trick for my grandfather, and I uh, spread out uh, fifty-two cards. Okay. Uh, on uh, you know uh, on 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 this table. Yeah. And. Uh, and uh, and and I asked him, you know, uh, like, and and it was it was it was somehow like I was doing a force or whatever, yeah, with like a card or some such or whatever. But it was going to be an elaborate thing where I'd have to like, you know, you pick pick fifty percent of these cards, then pick fifty percent of these cards, fifty percent, and it would get down to the one card that he had because I knew the card that was his card, yeah, and I knew where it was located. And I said to him, 
you know, on all the cards that were there, and he knew what his card was, and would like pick a card, and whatever that was, I would then split that in half. But yeah. he picked his card immediately, <laughs> like he just picked it, and it was like, yeah. Turned it over. There it is. Fold up the deck. Put it away. <laughs> How'd you do it? Can't tell you. <laughs> and he also was the greatest trick. It's just fucking luck. One in 52 fucking luck. Done. Wow. Yeah. You wasted your lottery chances. There you are. No, no. It was worth it. It was worth it because it was a gasper. It was like, I had a free choice. Yes, you did. And you picked it. Mm-hmm. Well, you had to pick it. But how? None matter. Where's the cards back? I can't tell you. <laughs> you win. I so wanted to. Like, it was like sort of the beginning of our visit that day. And I so wish it was the end. That I could just like left on that. And it was just like, Good, goodbye. <laughs> Be Albert Brooks and just leave. You know the Albert Brooks story about that, right? No, I don't know. If Albert Brooks was at a party. And uh, and he told this joke that just destroyed. And he went, "Well, good night," and grabbed his jacket and left. And uh, and 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 then a person uh, who was telling the story uh, said, like, uh, she was leaving later on, and Albert Brooks was outside the building, and I was like, "Oh, what are you doing?" Just like I left my hat in there. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, why don't you go get it?" It was just too good a joke. I can't go back in. Like, I left on such a high that I can't go back in and get the hat. Oh, no. So you're going to just leave your hat? No, I need the hat. Do you want me to get your hat? Yes, please. <laughs> and got his hat because he couldn't go back in because it was like such a great exit. Yeah, you yeah. can't. You couldn't. <laughs> I think I would just sacrifice the hat if that happened to me. But I guess, I guess I, yeah, I probably wouldn't. I it just was a good would, hat. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good hat. <laughs> Well, it's your hat. Yeah, you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still. Yeah, so it's a it's a great feeling when you actually have that moment, rather than like later on think of the perfect joke or whatever. Yeah. yeah. What's that? The esprit d'escalier. Esprit d'escalier. Yes, yeah. right. Yes, staircase wit. Yeah, implying that you remember it as you're, <laughs> you're as you're walking away. Oh, that's the perfect capper. Oh. Yeah. Too late. Which will be the main use for time machines in the future. <laughs> I told you. Oh, yeah? Well, you're an idiot. Oh, yay. Good for him. He did it. Hooray. Yeah. You want to be able to quantum leap back into your own body just at the moments when you can get a good singer in. There you are. Thinking about it, it's probably a good thing that time travel is impossible. As far as you know. As far as I know. And I believe it's. Yeah. Okay. Because? Well, because you're going going back into non-existence. So unless you think time is... Wait a second, why are you going back into non-existence? Because that time is gone. It's not to be recovered again. Okay, how about this? How about like, say you go go back to when you were at the door knocking to be let in. Yeah. Okay, that time existed. Yeah. Okay, so we can't go back to it. It's gone now. It's gone, but where is it gone? It doesn't exist anymore. Unless you believe like all time exists at the same time. Well, I've talked about that in the show. Yeah. That's the only way you can make time travel... feasible is if you believe that we live in one single now well i mean there's no way there's no way you could know because you you're currently existing in this time yeah so like the other time could still be there but you there's no way you could like see it because you're here in this time so Mm -hmm. you know you can only be in the car driving down the road on the section of road that you're in the car Mm -hmm. you can't but the it doesn't necessarily mean the road's gone behind you just because you can't see it doesn't mean it vanished still uh still there with other cars on it mm-hmm. yeah it's true but i can't go back on that road at the same time ever again that you know of yeah <laughs> that i know of that you know of yeah yeah 
I just, it's not going to happen. But yeah, it's fun to think about. But thank God it's impossible because I just think we would make everything such a mess. It would just be just so ridiculous. That or because like there'd be so many alternative uh, choices being made that it would just like because there's infinite other choices that could be made. It just basically becomes the one that you made anyway, originally, because they all counter each other. There's just so many that forget it and that just becomes this in the end. It would be, yes, the world would be a, a giant mess. I generally, it, it almost feels to me like a my genie theory, which is like any realistic story about a genie, the final wish has to be, I wish I'd never met you. I wish <laughs> I've got to get rid of those wishes that I made before. Yeah. Because wishes are always, always turn out bad. Yeah. Be, uh, you know, so like the final wish should be that. So to me, in time travel, the final time travel trip will always be the time travel trip that will erase yeah. the, the, the choice that you made to make that time travel trip. So, you know, even if there is time travel, it'll get erased at the end and, and everything will go back to status quo anyway. So let's go back to the genie thing. So why is every wish bad? Do you mean because we don't know what's good for us or because uh, the genie will twist the, the wish? Um, did you see, what was it? 1,000 years yeah. of longing? No, I didn't have no sense. Okay, it. yeah. It, it kind of goes with that idea where, like, he's asking her to make a wish, and she's like, I know these stories. Mm. And a- absolutely every story about a genie and making wishes, yeah. it, it goes terribly wrong, and it's like, the moral is, don't make wishes. <laughs> you know, you've got you've to gotta earn the things that you've got. If yeah. you just get them by wishing, things go terribly, terribly wrong. Mm. Yeah. Unearned anything you know, is uh, toxic and will uh, harm you in the end. Hmm. It's like, what do you want? I want a million dollars. Okay, there's a million dollars. All right. I should have wished for two million dollars. <laughs> I'm going to spend this million dollars. What am I going to get? Half a house in Vancouver? This is dumb. I feel bad. I'm mad. Oh, this sucks. I mean, it's okay. And I can't complain about it. Fuck. This makes me mad. All right, second wish. I want infinite money. Oh, okay. You want access to infinite money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. Oh, that's not good. Now I've got infinite responsibilities. Like I could I could put this money towards curing diseases, but but then someone's going to notice, hey, this guy's got infinite money, and then everyone's going to hunt me down. And I, and once they know that I'm the guy with infinite money, my life is ruined and I can't do anything, you know, and I even with infinite money, I can't escape from that. And yet, and that me and you know, well, fuck, I could give, feed the world, but if I do, then I'm going to flood the market with this money, and then the money will be worthless, and then I'm the guy with infinite worthless shit. <laughs> fuck. Fuck, 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 This all doesn't work. Third wish. I don't want to have met you. Okay, the end. <laughs> Almost always goes that way. Yeah. Except in uh, the uh, Aladdin, um, you know, the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. The third wish is unselfish. That's nice, and he frees the genie. But even then, all you end up with is uh, more movies where you know the genie comes back, and really nothing happened, and there was no point to any of it. Yeah, no change, right? Yeah, huh? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the monkey's paw. It's like the monkey's paw story is every wish is cursed, but in every wish story, the wish is cursed. Mm-hmm. That's just the most obvious one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the monkey's paw. It's really the you know the mother's love of her son. But really, it's her selfishness that she can't let go of her son. You know, that's the real curse there. You know, that you'll want someone back even though they're dead. You know, it's, uh, it's the, I think I've talked about it before. There's a Bob Clark film about with that kind of as a theme of it. Like a mother wishes for her son who died in the Vietnam War to return. And he does. But he's not 
not the same. You know, he's not, there's something wrong with him. Right. And it's that sort of, it's not truly a monkey. There's no monkey's paw that she wishes on, but it is like that in that way. It follows that, you know. And what's great about the monkey's paw is the unseen element of it, of just the hearing the son approaching. And then the, is it the, fa- the husband and father who wishes him to him gone or whatever? Yeah. And that's the final wish. Yeah, it's a really good, really good story. Kind of Pet Cemetery kind of uses that too, is it's, in yeah, they way. come back wrong. They come back wrong. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I mean, I, something I used to like doing when I was a kid was thinking of like, what's a wish that you could make on the monkey's paw that would not go wrong? Like, how many <laughs> how many things can you put into the monkey's yeah. paw? Like, first of all, you've got to yeah, so you got to make the monkey's paw wish that will be okay, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then you've got to do the other thing and figure out now. Wait, now how did that fuck up? Yeah, because there is a way for that to fuck up. Yeah, what is it? There's that movie as well where. People are given the opportunity to get a briefcase of money, but by making the wish, someone else, someone will die somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The button they push the button, and uh, mm. don't worry, uh, you know it won't be anyone you know. And then, uh, and then at the end of it, they the guy comes to take the button away, and just like who gets the button now? Oh, don't worry about it. it won't be anyone you know. <laughs> like, oh wait. <laughs> Did you ever see the picnic face sketch with that? No, no. I That's didn't. great. It's yeah. really, really great. Huh. It's just a guy constantly hitting the button. <laughs> just like, it won't be anyone you know, hit it. Oh, no, but it's an ethical dilemma. Oh, is it? So I shouldn't hit the button? Yeah, you'll get a million. Okay. Wait, <laughs> stop doing that. And it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. It's a question they asked actually in Mojo Magazine as part of their, they would do like a, a profile of a, of a musician. They just ask them a bunch of questions. It's kind of a portrait of themselves. They're also expected to draw a picture of themselves. So a lot of them were just like these kind of very rough, but sort of fun self-portraits. And then also a bunch of questions. And one of those questions was if you could get a suitcase full of, you know, this amount of money, but some person somewhere has to fall off their bike and die. Would you take that that briefcase? Be honest. Mm-hmm. But I do like that idea that the wish has a cost that may not be associated with you necessarily. But no matter what you do to bring something into the world, something has to leave it. There has to be some sort of exchange of energy. There's a payment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's going to pay for that? Yeah, yeah. This has to be some sort of sacrifice to this this mystery. That's one thing I always think like with the billionaires is there's no way you... I mean, can you wrap your head around the idea that you have earned this amount of money? Mm. You know, and if you can't, what's that like for you? That just like, <laughs> you have this unearned power. Yeah. What do you do with it? It just must be... It must mess you up. Like, that's just... You're not, people aren't designed to have that, you know, to have that amount of power over others. And so, yeah, there's just like, uh, go to space. <laughs> I got to buy Twitter. I got to control free speech. I got to do these things. And it's like, okay, these all are wishes. These yeah. are all wishes. Yeah. And they're not going to go well. <laughs> no, that's true. It's almost like when you be, if you're a billionaire, your attitude has to be almost like, this is money's for other people. You know, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to determine. Who's worthy of that? Yeah, well, and now, and now you've put yourself, mm-hmm. you know, above them in control of sure, their lives, and now sure. you're a piece of shit for that. <laughs> so I was like, oh boy. I think in a lot of cases, I mean, I know, like Jeff Bezos, it's hard to imagine when he started Amazon in his parents' garage with some starter money from them as a as a book as an online book company that he saw where it was going to end up. You know, like it's highly unlikely that he. In his wildest dreams, ever saw himself where he is now, and so there is probably a, fe- a feeling like a kind of a guilty feeling of like this is not. I kind of mean for this to happen. Like this is crazy. Like or maybe you're just such an egomaniac that you just ignore the fact that most of your 
wealth is built on other people's ideas and other people's work and other people's you know mm-hmm. like he's not the one who invented kindle he's not the one who who but thomas edison didn't invent most of the shit that thomas edison invented either no you know and that's the most famous inventor so yeah this is the way america works yeah is you're there that's your company you're taking credit for things you didn't do, you know. Yeah. Disney didn't draw all that shit, mm-hmm. you know. But Disney's name is on all that stuff. Yeah. That's America. Mm. Yeah. That's how that works. So that's the system. We're fine with that. Sure. Sure. But Disney didn't didn't make that much money. Like he wasn't like a super wealthy person. Like he wasn't like a billionaire or even a millionaire. You know, he was. Disney wasn't a millionaire. No, he wasn't like super well off. Like he didn't because most of the money he just got turned back into Disneyland and and all the other projects he was working on. So yeah, the Modern Disney is a lot different than Disney. Disney was under his control. Mm-hmm. He's just such a. He was such a. Well, he did have idealist. movies. He had theme parks. Yeah, he had a TV show. True. They were all very successful. So you know, he wasn't broke. He wasn't you know, broke, he was but all, he was he all was, right. And his name was. Yeah. Uh, you know, his name was like Kleenex. It was <laughs> yeah. a name sure. like that. You know, be- yeah. became more than his he, name. He died uh, working on Disney World. So most of the money that he. Most of the Disney money was getting plowed into that uh, as the next project. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I just, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I guess people just, you know, as part of the corporate culture as you, you know, while I'm at the top, I deserve all the credit. It's weird. It's, you know, I used to work for Matt Groening and I always think like that's a weird situation where like there's a person who, you know, used to be like a driver for, you know, famous you know, uh, famous old writers and whatnot. Like that was like one of his first gigs when he was like, went to LA Mm. and uh, yeah, he was this real alt uh, cartoonist. Yes. And, you know, village voicey cartoonist. (laughs) Yeah. And then got a cartoon on the Tracy Ullman show on a network that might not exist in six months. Mm. You know, a show that is not succeeding uh, on a network that's not succeeding and uh, and then it became the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. What what do you do with that? Where <laughs> where do you put your brain with that? Mm-hmm. Like it's now on everything. It's now in everything and not just it's it, and you're not even like you're new kids on the block and you're incredibly popular for like 4 years. Yeah. For what is it now? 30 years? You know the show's been on the air, something like that. What's that like for you? Yeah. Like that's yeah. It's like the late to yeah, it's a eighty nine ninety. I think like ninety. Something like yeah, that, it was yeah. ninety. Yeah, because I was in New York when the first uh, nineteen ninety when the first T shirts came out, and I went like, "Hey, I got to get one of these because <laughs> I really like Matt Groening's stuff." Yeah, and I'll get one of these these shirts because where else could I get one of these Simpsons shirts? <laughs> right? Am I right? And yeah, you're right. Thirty thirty years later, thirty three years later, yeah, it's uh, it's still a thing. That that must that must be so. What do you do sure. with that? How do you how do you function? I mean, it's nice to have dough. Yeah, but like you you were like the lefty. You're the lefty <laughs> guy, right? And now yeah. you've got now you have in, to infinity money. You know, as far as you you know in your world. Yeah, and not just that, but you're like you're in a divorce and you're like hiding it from your your ex wife. But yeah, you've got but yeah, you've got kids. Yeah, how do you raise your kids? Like, you know, you know how you were raised mm. and like you're going to be raising millionaire kids. Mm-hmm. You don't know what those are like. Yeah. You weren't one of those. What's that? How do you not screw them up? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah. Oh, well, you you can't not screw them up. So you just accept that you 
you know, just try not to screw them up too much. I know there was like the Warren Buffett thing where he kept it from his kids for the most part that they were rich. Mm. So like they would live at a kind of medium level. Yeah. And, you know, he just made sure, nope, we're not going to have anything fancy around the house. We're not going <laughs> to. And I'm going to drive you in a fancy car anywhere. Yeah, we're yeah. going to, you know, and just try to create the illusion that they were just regular folks as mm. much as possible so yeah. they wouldn't screw them up. I guess he can do that. I mean, he, he lives like in the Midwest, so he's, you know, there's no lure of, you know, New York City. Yeah. Have suddenly a, well, I guess we should live in a, you know, a condo in New York or in a whatever, you know, one of those places where the elevator stops on your floor. Your floor is a, like your house is the whole floor of a building, you know, those kind of places. Uh, that always feels to me like uh, it's just like well that's the way up for the person who wants to rob you <laughs> that's why you have a doorman oh okay I'm sure they'll uh, take a bullet for me they'll be fine <laughs> I, but I you know, that's why there's someone down there my way of uh, of not getting robbed in the past was always like you know make sure you're next to a house that looks better mm. and is more accessible and just look <laughs> like a little shoddier than the house next to you it wouldn't be too hard to have like a key that you insert and turn and then you can use the umbrella or the elevator. Just like, kind of like when you go to a hotel and you oh, sure, use sure. a room key to make the yeah. hotel work or the elevator work. Make the hotel work. But then Danny Ocean figures out the way and then he yes, gets in. Yes, of course. There's lots. Takes all your Fabergé eggs. <laughs> oh, no, not my Fabergé eggs. Anything but those. I love my Fabergé eggs. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 well, it's one of the parts of um, Metropolitan, the Wet Stillman film that's fun. It, are the kids in that film that live in that kind of not all of them do but uh, you know the main where they go to hang out that's what they have you just get off the elevator and you're in their in their when apartment you, when you were a kid were there any kids you knew who seemed to have dough no we lived in a pretty yeah i think delta of that time period was pretty i shouldn't say everyone but someone with a girl and her family was like much poorer than my family was mm-hmm. and you could tell not like i went ooh or whatever but just you knew you like walking their house. You're like, oh, this is different. <laughs> this is different than my house. It's a different situation than I live in. But most of the people that I knew, I should say, all the people that I knew, all kind of lived in the same level. You know, it was just different then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess there were wealthy people, but they weren't living in Delta. They're over in West Van or places like that. They're the Sunshine Hills people. Yeah, there was a guy at the end of my street, like a kid. And I went over to his house once on Sunday, and uh, it was like, "Hey, come on by." And uh, and so I was coming by, we were playing, and, uh, and I was like, "Well, it's time for Sundays." I'm like, what do you mean? Well, it's Sunday. We have Sundays on Sunday. I'm like, huh? And <laughs> went to the kitchen, and the yeah. family was making Sundays, and yeah. they had like all these different toppings, oh. and they had like caramel, and they had chocolate, and they had sure. all this stuff. And it was like, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Like for ice cream for us, yeah, yeah, you had the giant tub, yeah, and then afterwards you might use the lid as a frisbee because <laughs> we're not spending money on frisbees because yeah, we've yeah. got ice cream tub lids, mm. uh, and, and that's you know, and a lot of crystals on the top, and you got to scrape them up. Uh, and they had just like the best ice cream and yeah, the best yeah. everything, and I just went so rich, so many Maybe. toppings for I know, I, but they weren't. Yeah. Uh, maybe they weren't. Maybe they were. It doesn't matter. And maybe this me, is where but, they. But that was important to them. But as a them. kid, the yeah, idea yeah. that one, you have Sundays on a regular basis. Yeah. Like you know, on Sunday you're going to get like an ice cream treat. Like mm. that's ridiculous to us. Yeah. Ridiculous. Maybe once once a week, maybe there'll be a pie. Maybe. Maybe. Don't expect it. Uh, you know, but possibly. Yeah. It just seemed uh, like they were the richest person in the world, being able to have these ice cream Sundays. Yeah. <sighs> so good. I mean, maybe it's. I mean. They also claim to have a moon rock. 
I don't know if that was true, <laughs> but they did. They claimed to have a rock from the moon. Okay. They were, and they had it on a little display case, and it was pretty fancy. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe the dad knows someone who knows someone, and that's a yeah. little bit of a uh, moon, possibly. Huh. huh. Mm. Don't want to call him out on it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know it's moon rock? Yeah. Wait a minute. Doesn't taste like a moon rock. <laughs> I mean, we grew up with a pool in the backyard, which I guess makes you sound affluent. Yep. But we weren't the only, like, the people next door to us had a pool in their backyard. Sure. And the people next door to them had a pool in their backyard. Well, I, again. The as people across the street had a pool in their I backyard. don't understand. <laughs> if I owned a house, like, I can't see how I wouldn't have a pool in the backyard. If yeah. it was in any way legally allowed. Yeah. Why the fuck wouldn't you have a pool in the backyard? It depends. Well, once again, it depends on your priorities, what you want from a pool in the backyard. (laughs) Yeah. That's what your priorities are. Some people want to have gardens. Some people want to have a place to play tennis, you know, play badminton or whatever. You know, like people want, this is what you want. Yeah. You know, you want a pool. And my, yeah, we were a pool family. So we were already like crazy swimmers. So, and I would have, it would have been fun to have a pool in our backyard. It would just, it really wouldn't have worked the way our backyard was. It came, it came with like a shop. In the backyard, like the person built out the built out the the deck mm-hmm. quite far out into the backyard, so it would have really made it difficult to put a pool. I could, we could have torn down the deck and stuff, but but uh, nah. And also, we could have jumped off the deck into the pool. Oh, yeah. But also, pools are you know, it's not just putting in the pool. Then you also have to like pay for the pool for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well that's what that's what we got was this, like my dad once told me. You know, because we had a really big backyard when we moved to Delta. Yeah. Uh, and asked, like, can we get a pool? And it's like, do you know how much a pool costs? Like, no, $10,000. Like, oh, so we had $10,000, we get a pool. And, like, I always, like, thought in the future, like, we have $10,000, get a pool. <laughs> like, you have enough right now. Get a pool. Dig a pool. Dig yeah. that pool. You'd be happy. You'd go in the backyard. We had a pool for six months when we lived in Burlington, Ontario. Okay. And yeah, we're in the pool all the time because yeah. it's a pool. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? What What do you want? You want to mow all this grass? <laughs> like, what are you doing back here? You're not doing enough. St- oh, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. We'd be going visiting our friends who have pools. <laughs> Had to pretend we like them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just depends what your They had a are. rabbit. It was so weird. I was like, why do you have a rabbit? What's that mean? Just get a regular animal then. Get a dog or a cat. What's a rabbit do? Mm-hmm. Like a rabbit's like a cat that can't do cat stuff. You know, it's like all the downsides of a cat. Well, without the positives. <laughs> rabbit. Do you have the rabbit in the house? Yep. Does the rabbit? Do you? You can host train them. Okay. But that weird, like you're eating dinner and then a rabbit hops in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Like, aren't you? Aren't, like Mike Roberts had a rabbit. Okay. And would the rabbit hop in the kitchen while they were having dinner? I don't know. Like he wakes up in the morning and then the rabbit hops rabbit, in the bedroom. Rabbit lived in his lived in his uh, he lived in a basement suite. His brother lived upstairs and he lived in the basement suite. Sure, okay. And uh, yeah, he had a rabbit there that lived with him. Okay. Yeah. What's a rabbit do? I don't know. The rabbits you're watching TV and the rabbit hops up on the couch. Sure. And the rabbit's snuggling with you and yeah. you're like scratching the rabbit's head. Yeah. Why yeah. is there no Find me an image of someone doing that. I've never seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's not why people. The TV you know. starts not working while well. you put yeah. the rabbit on top of the TV and yeah. adjust its ears. It's kind of weird. It's a rodent, so yeah. I think it's like, it's like having... having a capybara. It'd be weird. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's even weirder than having a rabbit. I guess. It would be weird having a capybara. Oh, they're adorable. I'm not sure I know what one is. But... Capybara is the largest rodent that there is. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm gonna with my hand show you how big a capybara is. About that. That's big. too big. It's too big. Uh, if you go to the zoo. Uh, by your place, they got capybaras there, or it they would, used it, to. It would cause trouble between my cat, my cat and his son. Between your cat and his son? Yeah, the capybara. 
because we keep thinking it's a mouse, but it's not. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I I was thinking it was a pun. I was just like, capybara, catabara. Sorry. Catabara, sun. Care bear. Everyone, you guys got you guys out there got it right. No, nope. little. No, nope. <laughs> they didn't get it. I no, didn't. I'm getting uh, notes from people saying nope. <laughs> Too obscure, Dave. Yeah, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Please don't reference Looney Tunes any longer. Yeah, I mean, I can sort of understand having like a mouse or a rat uh, for a pet. I get that. That's like a different level. But uh, rabbits just make no sense to me. It's like, what is that? What are you doing? And then people let them go in the woods, which seems mean. It is mean. It's like, <laughs> don't do that. They're the pet rabbit. They're not a wild rabbit. They don't know this shit. But like people don't often do that with, you know, dogs and cats. I know some sons of bitches do, but it seems to be like a real regular occurrence to the to the point where they have to give notices on like Easter going, look, don't get a rabbit because <laughs> you're just going to like go, what do I have a rabbit for? And then yeah. they get rid of this rabbit. And then you let the rabbit go in the woods. Like they don't do that with cats. Like, no, you're not going to just like yeah, take this. Do. When you adopt a cat, they don't go, now you're not going to just oh. take this cat and like throw it in the woods <laughs> later, right? I'm like, no, no, okay. no one expects I thought you to people do don't, that. People don't get rid of cats. They, they do. They do, yeah. but not like that. Not to the point where we've got to talk to you ahead yeah, of time yeah, yeah. and just go, look. That's where the Lisa's farm cats, a lot of them came from. Where sure. Cats had just showed up one day. Hey, you look, you look like a likely family. Mind if I hang around outside? Sure. We'll feed you. Um, I was going to say something about, oh, there's a person at, I was talking to a person at church and they have 16 rats. Intentionally. I, yes. I said that is horrifying. And sounds, is it cuz they're having sex and making more rats? No, they're kept they're kept apart from each other. They They have individual rat cages. They have 16 no, no, rat they, cages. No, they have one for they have one for males and one for females. Okay. The males can't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the, the males can only adopt. Parthenogenesis doesn't work <laughs> with rats. So, uh yeah, and I guess I guess they do um, rescue. They do rat rescue. Rat rescue, yeah. So quite commonly, people don't want the rats anymore. Okay. And want to get rid of them. But, but they were saying that um, they were saying that they're different than, than uh, rats you find out. Like the rats that go around and harass our chickens. Those are different sort of rats okay. than, than the rats that uh, they have. So they're... So there. Okay, but in what way? It are still they, sounds horrifying. In what way are they different? Well, they're cleaner. They're they're more um, they're more pet like. Mm-hmm. They like they like uh, they like humans. Rats are smart. Rats are uh, smart. So you're saying that they're faking this just to make make this person take care of them? <laughs> I see. Yeah, they know. They know. I'm what gonna time bring that up. They know I'm what gonna, time it is. When I see them I, next I want, time, I'm gonna bring it up. I want to just look at how, like how long rats live. Rats. Uh, Forty live. years. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, I think it's I think it's quite a short time, but I want yeah. to uh, around our around our house very short time. Yeah, two to four years. That's what I thought. I thought it was about two years. Yeah, you know, and that's 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 tough when you have a pet and it's like, <laughs> so long. You know, that's why you have sixteen of them. I guess. So I always used to takes say away the hurt. Just one, I guess one so. of, one of many. I mean, what I was because like all the people I know who have rats, the rats ended up with cancer and then they die, and this mm-hmm. is what happens to rats. Yeah, but like you know. If you have a rat in your house, though, that sucker's going to live forever. That's an eternal rat. You know, you can be like, leave out poison, do whatever you want, and that thing's just going to get stronger. And it's just like, why do the rat, like, what is the toxic? Why do you say that? Why do the toxic thing for rats is love? And it's like, the second you give them any attention, go like, I love you. Oh, I don't feel good. And they're like, oh, no, I, I killed it with love. Whereas, you know, 
we had like a rat in the laundry room that okay. just was, you know, so, you know, I, I guess it's gone now because it's been longer than like, you know, four years. Mm. So by this thing, but I bet it would still be there. It'd be stronger <laughs> and running things, have its family around it. I find poison is very effective against rats, but not very popular nowadays, poison. Is the is the problem that uh, another animal would then eat that rat and be poisoned? That's the possibility. Because we got eagles and stuff here, so I I would say that would probably be a bad choice mm. here. Sure, and you know don't want to don't want to hurt those guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, you just find them laying somewhere and you just dispose of them. But I guess poisons. But there's a bad. there's a medium time in there when they take the uh, like they don't eat the poison and then just go. Oh, I'm coming, Elizabeth. And then, like, <laughs> down. Like, I assume yeah. they eat the poison, yeah. run away, and do some more rat business. Yeah. And then eventually, oh, wait a minute. I don't feel so good. <laughs> you know, you should see a doctor. I'm not seeing a doctor. I, I don't have that kind of rat money That's right. to see a That's rat right. doctor. I, I could see spots before my eyes. Spots get out of the way. You can't see what he's looking at. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And in the meantime, when they're like, you know, uh, on their on their way to die, yeah. you know, I could see like a bird, you know, go like, hey, like an eagle, go like, hey, that's my lunch. Whoof, down, swoop, mm. get it. Uh, or an owl. Yeah. And uh, and now the owl's poisoned. And yeah. I, feel, I feel shitty for the owl. Yeah. He, he didn't need any of this, this grief. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would assume they'd have to eat quite a bit to, uh, just as we would have to eat quite a bit of poison. But I don't know. How much poison do we have to eat today? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I'm just thinking of the rat poison. Okay. Because, you know, it's it's not as effective as they say, though. That is true. Like, if you look at the box, it's like, kills in a single feeding. Nope. Okay. That's not true. That's not true. Takes a little while. And it says on the box, please don't use this for Victorian murders. I'm like, all right, I won't. <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing. Like, when you think about in the past, when people could go to the store and buy arsenic, and yes, you would have to fill out your name on a, on, in a little book. Indicating that you bought arsenic. Oh, do you? In those days, yes. Now you can't go to the store and buy arsenic, though. Like, whatever you're buying for as rat poison is nowhere near as crazy po- poisonous as arsenic was. Now that is just like but every you, animal in the place was dead. Can you still buy old lace? <laughs> yeah, if you go to Value Village. Okay. Antique store. All right. Probably. Can you buy some antique arsenic, old-timey stuff? I don't think you can get any antique arsenic. I'm curious about something. I'm okay, look you're up. looking it up? Yeah, I'm going to look up if I can buy arsenic on Amazon. Okay. Right. It goes under the trade name Bitter Almonds now. Our, oh, no. It won't let me look on this. It's, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's a new site, and I don't like it. <laughs> it makes me... Oh, maybe I can look. Can I? Ah, maybe. Who knows? This uh, this computer uh, has a lot of old script writing programs that I like on it. Okay. And that's why it's here in the script writing area. <laughs> you know, and it's uh, compatible with a lot of you know things that i need to to do but then if they ask like and now use the new feature well i'm screwed there's no <laughs> way i can i can't upgrade anything just forget it all right arson come on r you're really gonna you're really gonna send some red flags out there in the uh, cyber security world yeah oh uh it's asking me if i want to rent arsenic and old lace <laughs> you know what maybe i do if i do bully for you uh no, but I can uh, get a, uh, a hemlock oil pillbox case, arsenic vintage style medicine. Okay, case. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, little hemlock. Oh, there is. Yes, I can get something. Yes, I can get little amounts of arsenic uh, for uh, white spots on the skin. White spots on. The- huh. And then you can get a. Oh, gee. okay. So there's a quick arsenic uh, scan kit here. It's about you know that yeah. size. Yeah. How much would you say that is? 
Fifteen dollars? That would be two thousand dollars. <laughs> to scan for arsenic? Yeah. What kind of arsenic are you scanning for? Like what what is the purpose of this? Why are you scanning for arsenic? That's my question. I'm not sure. Uh, it's is this for paranoid people who are afraid someone's poisoning it's them? It's temporarily out of stock. Okay, well... Uh, I'm just going to see what the reviews are like. Just hire a taster. There's no reviews. Okay. 2000 Well, it's $2,075. Oh, well, it's 2000 sounds reasonable, but 275 And it's for use with quick arsenic test kits. So you don't even get the test kit. <laughs> like, that's extra. <laughs> what does this thing do? Test for arsenic. Yeah, but if... But what do you... Don't you need an arsenic test kit for it? Yeah, like I just said. Yeah, it's for use with them. But it's also a test kit. <laughs> I guess the arsenic test kit is it doesn't a work wi- without this. Okay. But this is the quick arsenic scan. Yeah, interesting. Oh, but you can buy... Yes. If you buy it with the arsenic test kits, yeah. then it's uh, $2,130.48. $2, okay. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I guess, you know, if you think uh, I've been poisoned, you know, uh, that you're a motivated buyer. Yeah. But it is temporarily out of stock. So either it's very popular or one of the... <laughs> Don't. 2,000. That that's that's the thing. Well, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to drink any poison. Huh. Yeah, no, no, don't. Don't get... Don't, don't, uh, don't have poison. Um, you were talking uh, before we got started a little bit about... Uh, uh the academy awards i was and, uh, we i was i went to uh a nice uh chinese meal a chinese food meal with our friends david and allison okay uh recently just before they were heading out to uh do a whole bunch of academy award stuff with their friends because mm-hmm. um their friend wendy tilby is nominated for um best animated short oh nice which one did she do she did uh, the flying sailor oh that's a great one yeah that's really good i really like that one a lot yeah, I'm going to be seeing some of the shorts uh, tomorrow at uh, Van City Theater. But yeah, I have seen that one because it's on the NFB uh, NFB site. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that that's like a true story. Yes. About the sailor, yeah. They, yeah. Uh, the well, Halifax according are... to him, anyway. Oh, you don't believe him? <laughs> well, it's a long way to go. It is a long way to go. It's about the Halifax explosion. Uh, if you want to see it, it's uh, on the NFB um, uh, website. Yeah. So you're looking something up? What's up? Uh, well, we we're gonna. I was just looking at what I thought we were gonna talk about. So I was, yeah, we can talk about yeah, talk about what you want to talk about because you were talk about, about you were talking about the Oscars. Yep, I'll give you something to talk about. All right, let's do it. Like it's the talk about game. <laughs> uh, you got to talk about the Oscars, and you got to got ten things on the board about the Oscars. Uh, yeah. talk about the Oscars. Go. You got thirty seconds. Go. I have to talk about the things on the board. Yeah, There's if you ten... get the things that are on the board, okay. uh, then you'll go. And I'll all right. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Talk about the Oscars. Thirty seconds. Go. <laughs> 30 seconds. Okay, well, I was the reason I thought you were bringing it up because I was talking earlier about yep. uh, Richard Brody, uh-huh. who's a <laughs> New Yorker film critic. Yeah. Film, uh, yeah, ding. Okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, who's going critics, through... Critics, yeah, critics, yeah. He was uh-huh. talking about his his list of nominees for, for to get the Golden Statuette, also known, a.k.a. the Oscar. Right. Am I getting anything yet? Not Statuette? Gee whiz. Yeah, yeah, Golden Statuette. You got, like, <laughs> you got four so far. <laughs> so uh, he... He was talking about how he felt that the this year's nominees mm-hmm. for the uh, 2023 annual Oscar... No? Anyway. 23, uh, 23 annual? 2023. 20, oh, okay. 2023 annual Oscar. I was going to go. It's not the 23rd Oscars. It's the, <laughs> it's the 95th Oscars, you, but okay. Oh, thank you for correcting me. I was wrong. Um, and he was, But he was saying that he felt like their, their choices... I keep accidentally turning on my sound. I'm gonna, actually going to turn off the volume. How's that sound for... Mm. For smarts, um, he was saying in this little little bitty bit on Instagram that um, 
he felt like the choices this year were not great and that they kind of represent a corporate, you know, kind of a just going along with a corporate thingy jigger. And he had his own choices. All right. They were different than than what the Oscars were. So just about. to go over real fast who what what the what the this choices are Oscars, yeah. for ten, and, and we we can discuss them later if you want. Okay, uh, we got All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay, Avatar: Way of Water. Okay, Banshees of uh, Inisherin. Right. Elvis. Everything, mm-hmm. everywhere, all at once. The Fablemans. Tar. Top Gun. Madrick. Maverick. Madrick. Magical. And uh, and Triangle of Sadness. Mm. And Triangle of Sadness is the one everyone will forget when you're going like. List them. Okay. Uh, and there's one more. God damn it. What is it? 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 And it's like, that's the one they're going to forget. So what What was missed according to so his, this So his is, uh, this is going to go away, but Benedi- oh, Benediction, Amsterdam, The Cathedral, No Bears. I it's gone now because it's a, it's a reel, so it, I can't just make sure. it stop. But uh, I wonder if there's like a thing I can click on that will... Oh. I who, have to go who is here. this uh, critic? Uh, Richard Brody. I'm just going to the, their little feedy thingy. And, then and there we go. Okay, what should have made the list? So, in his opinion... And you it, can tell me if you've seen any of these. Okay, so his... his Our Benediction. Okay. I have not seen it. All right. What's going on? Quit it. Quit it, New Yorker. Oh. Is this in the New Yorker? Yeah. No, it's screwed me around. Well, I'm not going to say anything bad about this. It's a fine publication. <laughs> okay. It just wants me to... Uh, well, Benediction stars Jack Loudon and Peter uh, Capaldi. Oh, really? And is a biographical romantic uh, drama film. Yeah. The synopsis. The film follows the life of Siegfried Sassoon, a British poet and decorated World War I combat veteran who was sent to a psychiatric fil- facility for his anti-war stance during World War I. Oh, the one about Siegfried Sassoon. Yeah, I heard yeah, of this. He yeah, had yeah. love affairs with several men uh, during the 20s, married, had a son, converted to Catholicism. Uh, just one second here. I'm just going to... So Jack Loudon plays the younger uh, Siegfried. Peter Capaldi plays the older Siegfried. And is directed by Terence Davies. Hmm. I... Yeah, I haven't... I just heard about that one, actually. And this does sound interesting. I'm a fan of... Because uh, I think Rupert Graves is also in it, as well. The character. It's wanting me to sign into the New Yorker website. Well, I can't say enough good things about the New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. You, you know, you have your own... Uh, prejudices and yeah. and wishes to pay the rent yes yeah that's true okay here we go i'm back in i'm back in so benediction haven't seen it okay amsterdam okay. i saw amsterdam oh wait amsterdam. Amsterdam. amsterdam was the one with a christian bale, christian bale. Yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. all right I uh, mind amsterdam armageddon time what is oh. once again did not see it. I, I did want i do want to see it but i did not see it both sides of the blade no idea i've not seen that film the cathedral once again do not know what this is about. Okay. The Eternal Daughter. Okay. I would like to see that film, but I have not seen it yet. Hit the Road. Don't, don't know, know what that is. Don't know what that is at all. No Bears. I do know No Bears. What is No Bears? It's a film by an, an Iranian director who has been uh, basically under house arrest since 2010. And so he makes movies on the sly. He's not supposed to make any films. Or have any contact with anyone. Okay. Like he can't do any kind of like talk to people about his movies or make movies any longer. But he makes them secretly. Okay. And so this movie, No Bears, uh, and believe it or not, it takes place in Iran. So there are no bears in the film. Okay. But it's all uh, it's just it's just basically about him 
uh, not being able to make movies. And he's, but he's making a movie. But he's just, you know, deal with the reality of... Uh, it, it sounds like an interesting idea anyway. I have not seen it. Uh, I did see the next film, though. And, yeah, so, and uh, the so description, by the way, of No oh, Bears, sure. uh, Wikipedia is, the film portrays uh, two parallel love stories in which the lovers struggle with hidden and unavoidable obstacles, the force of superstitions, and the mechanics of power. Okay. He's also in the, in the film, though, make, making yeah, movies. Yeah, as himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, pretty brave guy. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, briefly out of house arrest er- earlier, uh, a couple of years ago, but then he went back underneath. Went up, did something wrong again, I guess. Uh, next film we both saw, uh, Nope. He felt okay. like Nope should be up for an Oscar. Uh, All right. Mary would agree with that. She was outraged, literally outraged, that Nope was ignored. I did think. Get Out get a nomination? No. Huh. Horror movies tend to get the, uh, the back of the hand from the Oscars, which I don't think is fair, but, you know... It is, it is traditionally like kind of the, traditionally the, you know, traditionally horror movies were kind of junk films, mm-hmm. but I think that's changed a lot. I mean, Rosemary's Baby was, oh, not sorry, Rosemary's Baby, oh, The Exorcist was nominated. I was going to ask about The Exorcist. Exorcist yeah. was nominated for an Oscar, um, but I don't, yeah, I think uh, it's pretty rare. Like I, like a movie like Hereditary, I thought should have been nominated. Only six but... films in the horror genre have been nominated for Best Picture. Okay. Well, can I guess? Can I... Get Out was one. Oh, Ghetto was nominated. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, please guess. You guessed. Uh, well, you've already said Exorcist. So yeah, that's the probably the first one. Mm-hmm. And so since then, oh boy, now I feel silly. Six Sense. Six Sense is one of them. Yeah, you got three remaining. Got three, <laughs> three remaining. Uh, the other two you could probably get, and one you probably won't be able to get, even though it was a semi-popular. Okay. The others is it one? Nope. Mm. Are there any like foreign? The, the foreign male movies? lead got uh, the Oscar for Best Actor, I think, or Best Supporting Actor for one of these horror movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Very well respected actor. I wish I knew more about the Oscars than I do. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I just thought I could guess, but now that I'm faced with a a, a huge amount of movies, um, what else? The Shining? Nope. Um, Alien? Nope. I'm gonna give you a clue to the okay. one you won't guess. Okay. Uh, Dance. Dance? Yeah. Dance. Dance is your clue. Dance. Oh, Suspiria. Nope. Dang it. There's dance in Suspiria everywhere. Uh, the one that you won't get is Black Swan. Oh, Black Swan. Oh, that's considered a horror movie. I guess it yeah. is kind of a horror film, isn't it? Okay, what are the other ones? I give up. Silence of the Lambs. Uh, and that's the one Anthony Hopkins uh, yeah, That one, ninety yeah. ninety-two. And Jaws. Jaws? Okay. Yeah, I guess that, those are horror films. Oh, Jaws is a horror Jaws movie. Jaws is a horror film. I don't know about uh, Silence of the Lambs. It's more like Really? A, I think it's more like a, like a, it's more like a police movie, like a... Plissier, you know, like there's a cannibal. There's a, and yeah. that's not the worst guy. The I, worst guy is like the guy who's skinning people and I know, putting them in wells with but there's no puppies scene, and buckets. There's, there's no scenes of like a girl in the house and the guy is like stalking her. Yes, there is in Silence of the Lambs. Absolutely, that's the final scene. But she goes into the house. Oh, does that make yeah, it different? different? Yeah, that's different. She's in the house. He's yeah, sta- she's, he is literally she's, stalking her. She's an her. armed police person going into the house. Right, but with the lights off and she's like kind of, yeah. in, in in our mind, helpless because he's got night vision goggles. Oh, okay. That's, that's, a, that's being stalked in a house. Okay. Especially when there's another woman in a well in the basement <laughs> of the house. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, the guy is like the guy thing. is stalking women outside, yeah. and like luring them into uh, trucks, mm. you know. So there's lots of there's stalking, yeah, yeah. I just don't... And then it ends with uh, Anthony Hopkins stalking somebody. <laughs> but once again, it's not really like horror; it's more 
It's more like a... When he's biting someone's face and whatnot. Yeah, that's bad, but bad things happen in lots of movies that make it a horror movie. What makes a horror movie to you then? Because it feels like it's got all the horror movie things. Like you're basically being led almost into like hell yeah and seeing all these uh monsters and she's got and she has to work with one of the monsters yeah and then like that monster attacks and you know uh police officers yeah meanwhile there's another monster sure who's capturing and skinning yeah you know people so manhunter is a, mo- a monster is a horror movie then too that has him in it and he's dealing with he's in a house where the guy's playing inagata de vida really loud volume which is it's a pretty horrible situation it's, it's a lot lo- loud I would. Yeah, it's weird. I would say, but because it's a woman, then it's a horror movie. But if I it's would, a guy, it's not a horror movie. It just seems kind of odd to, like to me. In both films, are like they're procedurals. They're like this. There's a criminal. We have to catch him. Yes, we have to deal with a person who's unsavory. A, okay, well, let me ask you. Then you know you're you're not claiming that. Okay, instead of saying like you know, Manhunter isn't a horror movie to you. Yeah. What makes a horror movie? What are the aspects of a film that make it horror? Yeah. Well. Supernatural elements would be an obvious thing. Okay, but then Black Christmas isn't a is a hor- is not a horror movie. No, it's but it is a horror movie. But that that has like helpless people who are victims of you know a mysterious killer who's you know. So it's the so mystery it's, aspect. I think the mystery and I think the helplessness of the people. Like I think. Well, there's definitely Jody, a helpless woman in Jody, a well. Yeah, but I but that's you know. They could say the same one thing, same thing again about Manhunter. There is a person that's he's captured that the character comes to uh, that will the character comes to uh, rescue. Um, does the does having Peterson a hero character. make the? Uh, well, I just feel like yeah, a, I just feel like yeah. It just to me, it feels more like it's a procedural, like it's a movie about can't it be how both? like can't be a horror procedural. Well, it just feels like it's stretching the idea to me of what a horror movie is, you know. Okay, but then again, I need to know you, your, if you're not to gonna, know your definition of a horror movie. But if you're not going to let Manhunter be a horror movie, no, no, you it can, has the exact same tropes you're, to you're, it. You're projecting something onto me. That okay, I okay. Say. You just did that. Okay, you just said like Manhunter's not. But do you think so, of so? Then do you think of Manhunter as a horror movie? Um, you know what? Yeah, because there's the scene of setting the guy on fire. Yeah, and uh, doing all that stuff. Sure. And yeah, there's definitely a monster who's like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just. I just to me it's it's different feeling. I you know I agree with you. Like there's elements of horror in it, but you know any kind of crime movie he's the tooth fairy. has elements like of horror that's, to that's it. That's a that's a like he's he's, he's got. But he's a not really name. the tooth fairy. He's just like a person who's who's well, there isn't bad. Really a tooth fairy, but uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean, we are right? we like, are in a world that's real. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So we're taking the supernatural aspect out. Yeah. But like he is, he has named himself. Mm-hmm. You know, his he's got his monster name. Yeah, and you know, and uh, and yeah, he's. I think I think yeah, with like the especially the scene with the guy in the wheelchair on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a pretty horrific uh, thing. I think that takes it to another level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't think of them that way. But that's, all right, that's fine. That's funny. But I am curious though, what you count as like instead of saying Manhunter isn't so. Well, I'm just saying. I just so find instead it, of what yeah. isn't, yeah. what is? Yeah. What elements go into a horror movie for yeah. you? And I know you're probably thinking right now, oh, wait, but that does count as this. <laughs> and so it counters your own argument. But just in general, what's a horror movie? Yeah. Thing? So monsters, ghosts. Okay, supernatural. Supernatural thing. characters, yeah. So um, Psycho isn't a horror movie. Psycho, no, I don't really think of it as a horror movie, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't think of that as a the horror The birds. Film. I guess. Not really scary, but that's more like speculative Jaws, fiction, right? Not a horror movie. Yeah, I wouldn't think of Jaws as a horror movie either. Okay. I know it's funny, like yeah. Now, how like about the Sixth Sense is a horror movie? 
has ghosts. Right. Supernatural, has, like, has supernatural elements. Get so. Out has a technological twist to it. Mm-hmm. That's more like science fiction, though. Science fiction. Can science yeah. fiction be a horror movie? It can have horrible elements, but I think they're separate genres. But I guess you could have like science fiction horror, like Alien would be an example of science fiction horror. Mm-hmm. Would it, what, does two. an alien count as a supernatural element to a movie for you? No, but it would certainly count as like a, yeah, I guess supernatural in a way, in the sense that it's not part of our na- our nature. Yeah. You know? It's so, beyond nature. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I could, I could see that as as fitting that criteria but i think a movie like aliens isn't a isn't really a horror well it's not it's more like an action movie than it is a horror movie okay frankenstein horror movie yeah because the monster's scary it's a monster but it's a science monster yeah, it's, it's fine a, but it's still a monster okay even if you feel sorry for it it's still a monster okay because it can't control what it does um uh how about uh a uh, quiet place yeah horror movie yeah that's there's scary. nothing it, supernatural about it but it has, just... it has scary elements to it like you know, well, a lot of things woman have, alone in the house, and yeah, a lot of things have scary elements. Yeah. So, is it just scary elements is what makes a horror? No, movie? I think that there's because then that's certain tropes Silence that of work. the Lambs is definitely have has scary elements. Sure, to it. sure, but it has. But to me, the difference is okay. Like, I'm not trying to win an argument. No, no, I'm no, just no it's fine. It, I find it interesting. No, I find it interesting to talk about too, and I'm not. I've like because you know, like you could say, oh well, Buffalo Bill's a monster. Yeah, he is a monster. He's a monstrous person, but it's different when you're just talking about a monster. You mean slightly different than 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 someone who's like John Wayne Gacy or, or you know, or like just a serial, like no, I shouldn't say just a serial killer, or Jeffrey Dahmer, whoever, who are monstrous in their way, but aren't like monsters in the sense of like horror monsters. Okay. The things they do are scary and monstrous, but if you did a movie about them, it's not a horror movie. It's exploring, you know, horrible people's actions. And so Silence of the Lambs to me is you have people who are competent, who have chosen to put themselves in these situations in order to, you know, stop horrible things from happening to people okay. you know and so there's that element of of competence to it you know and so to me it's even though the scene when she goes into the house and it's been a while since i saw silence of the lambs because i last saw it in 1992 but it's mostly from his perspective of uh, through his night vision goggles mm, where he's mm, hunting her yeah yeah so you know I guess that is sort of like a horror element, but I just wouldn't think of it as a horror film. And I understand that it's not supernatural, mm-hmm. but it does give it kind of a supernatural element yeah. to it because it's, you know, it's something that a person can't do, but, you know, they're seeing in the dark. Sure. And they're hunting you like you're yeah. in, like they're an animal. But yeah. I, w- I wouldn't think of Predator as a horror movie either. To me, that's an action movie. Hmm. Well, I mean, horror, I mean, Predator is a slasher movie. In a way. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That kind of. But it has like action tropes. Basically. What's the difference between? Okay, all right. So yeah, I was gonna say the difference between that and and like a a Jason movie, but like uh, it would have to be like a later Jason movie where he's supernatural and like nothing can stop him. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's ridiculous. Sure. Whereas you know Predator, you just got to figure a way, and mm-hmm. then a you know Glover can beat him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what was the only uh, horror movie to win an Oscar? Like for Best Picture. Uh, Silence, of, Silence of the Lambs would be the one. No. No, another one is Winston. It didn't win. No, it didn't win for Best Picture. It only won for uh, Best uh, either Supporting Actor or Actor for uh, Anthony I think it. I think it won Best Picture, didn't it? 1992? I, I don't think so. I thought it did. Okay. Maybe well, I'm, I'm going to take, take a look. And see. Uh, but uh, another one, uh, definitely. Before that one? Yeah. The Exorcist one? Yes. Oh, Exorcist I didn't. Exorcist won for Best Picture. I didn't know that. Oh. Science of the Lambs, let's look it up. We're looking up the thing. <laughs> Box office accolades. There's the accolades. The film won uh, five uh, Academy Awards. Oh, it did win for Best Picture. What the fuck is this? <laughs> best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, yeah. and Best adapt- Adapted Screenplay. 
And uh, yeah, I almost won best film editing, but lost. Oh, to dear. Terminator Two: Judgment Day. <laughs> Throw it a bone. Throw Terminator Two a bone. Throw it a bone. Let me just make sure Exorcist. That was bad information. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Exorcist. Uh, I'm not sure about. It feels that. like it was such a scary movie that uh, it's a really good movie. They would have. Uh, I wouldn't say it's wrong. Wrong that it won, but I'm not sure. The Exorcist. Here we go. You just say accolades then. <laughs> Acolytes. Acolytes. There we go. Bad thing. Director's cut ending. Casting. So much talk about it. Tell me what it won. Why don't you? Spider-Walk. Don't watch the director's cut version of it. Okay. Titles. Production. It's not, it's not as good. The film's curse. Uh, box office. Critical response. For the life of me. See if it uh, won. Uh, there, yeah, there's no way of knowing. <laughs> I'll look it up. I was going to ask my phone, but I'll, I'll let you. I was going to say, what movie won Best Picture in 1976? Oh, just ask it. Me ask it? Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. What movie won Best Picture in 1976? Oh. <laughs> it's, it brought up a headphone ad. Yeah. This I... is not a phone. Would you like? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. I guess in the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's see, The Exorcist, 1973. Uh, winner. Oh, it's 1973. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the wrong year. Yeah, too. 1973. It, it was a winner for best writing and screenplay based on material from another medium. For best sound. Uh, for best picture. 1973. I it think won ne- for best picture. It did? Oh, okay. Yeah, won okay. for best actress in a leading role. Oh, good. Ellen Burstyn. Huh. Best actor in a supporting role. Jason Miller. Best actress in a supporting role. Uh, Linda Blair. Wow. Uh, it was nominated for best director. Nope. Best cinematography. Nope. Best film editing, nope. And best uh, art direction. No one liked William Friedkin. Yeah. And you know what? And the interesting thing was they went up and they all thanked the devil. <laughs> Give the devil his due. Thank you, Lord Lucifer. <laughs> I'd like to thank Lucifer. Um, who else? The Antichrist. <laughs> Everyone who made this possible. Yeah. You know, uh, we did it. We sold our souls and we did it. It was worth it. There is a, there is a name given to the devil, in the, the particular demon in that movie. Because it's not... Satan himself, it's some sort of no. sub-devil or whatever. Is it Baal? No, it's not Baal. Oh, okay. No. It's, uh, something else. But there's some name, I can't remember what it was now either. Did you ever see the second one, Exorcist II, The Heretic? No, I saw the third one, but I haven't seen the first two. You haven't seen the first one? No. Oh, interesting. No, no. I, I think it's because my dad said it was the scariest movie. Uh-huh. And so I was like, A lot well, of people that's not for me. Yeah. That's uh, that's far and away not for, not for me. I think it's. I think other movies have outdone that now, but I think... At the time, I can see that it was really scary, and I think our our taste, our our ability to the way it was made, I think uh, Pazuzu, Pazuzu, because later on, the as he he yeah. falls down the stairs, and then he uh, checks to see if he has Pazuzu's pedals. <laughs> okay, yeah. I and as gonna... he falls down the stairs, he yeah. knocks over the Joker, who's doing a little dance going up the stairs. I thought someone was going to say, "Watch out for that first first step. It's a Pazuzu." What's the what's yeah. the fun name for him that they have really like Captain Howdy, which, Captain Howdy. which I love that name so much because it's just such a so random feeling like such a but it's such a great name Captain Howdy yeah. love it yeah it's a name that that uh, Linda Blair's character gives gives whatever the forces she's talking to on her Ouija board just mm-hmm. hilarious I love how Ouija boards have become like these sort of instruments of like demonic things like in the Ouija and stuff like that when they're just like. A game that was invented by Parker Brothers in the the forties. Was it was that where it came yeah. from? Yeah. And what was what was Parker Brothers like deal in the forties? Like what did they say was moving the uh, thing? I don't really know what the idea. Because that's right. a tough sell. <laughs> it's like going to the the store yeah, and yeah. just like 
Hey, the Ouija board. This talks to ghosts. Yeah. yeah, it's for your kids. All right. I wonder yeah. if it was based on something that already existed. Now, this is something that I heard, so maybe I'm wrong, but but I could be repeating an urban legend out, out of uh, sheer ignorance, as usual. Yeah, there's lots of. <laughs> It's funny. There's a whole big bunch of uh, Ouija boards for sale mm. on eBay. I just went, why? <laughs> what, what what happened? Yeah. Why, why movie, you got the, the why movie you Ouija this? 2 came no, out. No, we're just uh, selling it. You're selling it, eh? Okay. Apparently Ouija 2 is good. Oh, the movie? Yeah. Ouija was not good. I saw Ouija, but I did not see Ouija 2. Yeah, I don't see wet boards. Uh, and what, is the, what, what is my rating on a, on, a, on a scary movie? Is if it's scary, then it's good. That's very simple. But what scares simple. you? Um, Alistair dread. Crowley used to talk dread. Dread scares me. Oh, the Judge Dread. No, just the a creeping dread in a movie scares okay. me. Okay, it scares me more than people having their organs ripped out of their bodies, or limbs removed, or uh, cats jumping out of cupboards, or um, whatever else the like, movies can throw at me. If it if it has an element of absolute dread, then I'm I get very nervous. Very nervous. And then if you throw anything at me after that, my all the hair will stand up on my my body, so, <laughs> except for my head. This is too heavy. My hair and my head is too heavy. But yeah. When was the last time you went to a movie and came out of it with that feeling? Well, that would have been hereditary. Okay. Yeah. That and why did so why scary. did that one do it for you? It's just it creates such a it's so good at creating like creepy like seemingly normal but also creepy um, situations or or like. You know, like whether it's the house or wherever the characters are, there's always something about it that's off. Okay. And the film also has like this great sequence in the beginning of the film that's absolutely like a total gut punch that just kills you, just kills you so hard. And then the movie cleverly twists it around later on. And then you're just like, oh, you effing movie. You did it. You son of a bit. But yeah, it's really good. It's a really good film. It's one of those films that when people are like, don't tell people like Barbarian, don't tell people. I feel that way about Hereditary too. And like six cents. Don't, don't tell people what happens in it? Don't tell people about the movie, yeah. Okay. Because you just like you just have to kind of experience it. So it's a it's a roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, and yes, the dread, the, that feeling of dread is, if you can, if you can get that, you know, like, it's funny because for me, Barbarian, I did not feel that. Like, it didn't work that way for me. Okay. But like I mentioned when we were talking about it before, Eve had to leave the theater at one point near the, at the beginning of the movie because it was making her so ill at ease that she, she couldn't take it. So she okay. had to go outside and walk around a bit. Because she's, unlike Mary and I, who watch horror movies like we're, you know, just shoveling popcorn into her mouths and taking drinks and just sort of ho-humming it, Eve gets very nervous and has to, like, hide her eyes and stuff like that from sequences in the film. And that's how, how it's always been. So, um, yeah. It's just, but Mary found Barbarian also very nerve-wracking, whereas it just didn't work that way for me. I was still a very entertaining film, and I liked it a lot. I thought it was very well done, and, and everything about it was good. But it just didn't scare me because it wasn't for me. Okay. It's you know It was designed to be scary to women. Everything about the f- opening sequence of the film is all about how women ignore danger signals. And there's so many danger signals that this woman's ignoring. And it's really, it's really great, like, you know, in terms of like, making people nervous and, you know, making you ill at ease. But uh, I think for guys, particularly someone like me who has trouble with social signals, all that just goes right over my head. Hmm. You know, I just... Dum, dum, dum. Do you uh, do you have a horror movie in you that you want to write or a horror story you want to write? Uh, I used to, but I've decided that it was a dumb idea and that I don't want to do it anymore. Okay. But I did have an idea one. I'm putting thumbs down on it. Okay. <laughs> I know you do, but uh, yeah, I... 
Yeah, I just had this idea once that um, every piece of technology that's invented just separates people from each other. And so I like the idea that there was something satanic about that. And so I was sort of working on that idea. But I was just kind of like, ugh. Well, why is that? Uh, I know, it's just so preachy. And I couldn't think of a way around it that wasn't like, you know, preachy feeling. So I do think it's true. But I just, is that horrible or just, <laughs> or just you know, dystopian? It's hard no, to know. No, it's right? interesting, the idea. I mean, that's very um, uh, Black uh, Mirror. Yeah, yeah. You could get a Black Mirror episode out of that, I would say. I guess. I probably did. Maybe. Yeah, the idea that like that's what the technology wants to do is just separate people. Yeah. Because the only way that it can be defeated is if people work together mm-hmm. or, you know, talk and are together. And so the whole thing is we got to split them up. Yeah. Split them all up. And the idea in the story was this person finds this device that's like kind of on the, like it's revealing the secrets because it's not, it's not for humans to have. Okay. So this, he finds this device and so then he knows what's going on, but... Eh, like I said, I just couldn't. I couldn't make it work the way sure. I wanted it. I, I, I'm going to say, <laughs> don't completely dismiss it as dumb. Just yeah. like put it on the shelf, and then you know, as technology changes, <laughs> you know, it could be that the plot of this will make more sense. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. Or you'll have that little moment of like, oh, that might work that way. Yeah, I tend to work better working on something than not working on it. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, if I let something percolate, it work. That's okay, but usually, I'm much better as a problem solver as a writer actually writing. That's when I can actually problem solve. If I'm not writing, I'm not thinking about it in most cases. I do sometimes write walking, like walking on a machine or whatever. But um, I tend to work better just physically with my fingers over key. You might, sometimes it's good to separate. You know, it's one of your things about separation. Uh, it's to separate, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the kind of, you know, second draft guy from the first draft guy. Mm-hmm. And the first draft guy, you got to let be the, you know. <laughs> And uh, have second draft guy like out of the room at the time. Because mm. second draft guy goes, oh, you're not doing that, are you? It's like, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't do nothing. Uh, so you got to let dumb guy yeah. do the whole thing. Darp, darp, darp. And then they just put it away and go, <laughs> and go whistle in the backyard and just do somersaults. And then second draft guy comes in and goes, ugh, all right, let's fix this. And then mm. second draft guy fixes it. But you got to let yourself be dumb for the first one. Yeah. And it's a tough one. It's tough to write that dumb draft. It I gotta do that. I gotta do that right now with a with a thing. Okay. Like later on, I've just found it very very hard to uh, to to write right now. Like I've never really had writer's block before. And it's not even writer's block. It's just I can't access the part of me that is that completely. Mm. And so I could do it. I just would do it. I know I'd do it really very badly. It's not like writer's block. It's just like shitty writer shows up <laughs> instead. <laughs> That's troublesome too. I guess. Yeah. Where you're. Because you are blocked in a way, you're blocked. You're blocked. You that side of yourself is blocked, so you can't access that uncritical, creative part of you that just kind of can flow. You know. Yeah. And I think that's prob- a problem for me too. Is when I get near the end of a project, I get really bound up, and then that I have all imagination leaves me. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I can write like you know whatever eight tenths of it perfect. Or like, you know, or just like sure. super freely. And then I get to that last lap and all ideas are gone. And I don't oh, have yeah, no yeah, idea yeah. where to go after that. You know? Yeah. When I get that, then I definitely have to like go somewhere. Like physically I have to go somewhere usually that I haven't been before. And mm. I'll be like, 
Where's a park I've never been? Where's a part of the city I've never been? Yeah. I mean, ideally, it would be like there'd be like a con somewhere in the world that we're going. Yeah. And like I'm wandering around a city that I've never been. And mm-hmm. that would be really helpful. Yeah. Because it just like gets your brain going in a different place and you have no choice because it's a survival thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, you got to do something that's like new. Uh, yeah, because you're in the same old stomping grounds and the same eating the same food and doing the same things. It's like you're gonna get the same idea. You got to go somewhere. You got to do something. I don't know where that would be. Yeah, but you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's. I don't know what it would be. I wonder if it's for me. If it's because I'm okay with the writing part of it, but I'm even I'm more terrified of the what do you do after you finish writing part of it. Like now you've got a manuscript. What do you do now? Mm. You know. So if you don't finish it, you don't have to worry about that step. Yeah. You just you just stop there. You're like, oh, I've got eight-tenths of this thing written. That's fine. I mean, if all that you do with it is you put it on a shelf and just come back to it like at a later date, that's still fine. Mm. It's still nice having it on the shelf because it means it's cleared that out of your brain so that you can do something else now. Okay. You know, yeah. that's that's kind of the thing. It's just clearing space in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I say that in a very messy basement that I need to, <laughs> to clear, clear up. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because I have like the mystery novel I was working on many years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I'd say it's about halfway written. But it's only a first draft because I don't like I don't really like to outline very much. Okay, I just like to write. Have you ever done the the save the cat stuff or any of that? Business? No, no, I'm not. Okay, I'm not. there's no cat in the story, so I'm just joking. Um, I've, I'm reading right now. Save the cat writes a novel. Yeah, and if that. if nothing else, like. Just to just to follow a structure and then chuck the structure like later. Yeah. You know, but it's just getting you to the end of the first so, draft. So what is the structure like? Are they kind of giving you like these are the, the is this the meat and potatoes of a story? Like when if you're writing a novel, you need to have, you know, this element, this element, this element. Or what are they? What are they? What are they doing for you in this? Like you read the book, right? Save the Cat. Uh, I am. Uh, oh, you mean the, the first Save the Cat? I have not read Save the Cat for screenplays. Oh, no, I'm just saying for, no, for novels. For the novel. No, okay. I'm about halfway through. Right okay, now. okay. Uh, I have two of them, by the way. If you want, like, one of them, you're welcome to it. <laughs> uh, but I'm just looking right now to see if there's uh, the actual structure is here, and I can, like, just uh, go go through it. Yeah. You know, they have things like... So can I just ask, when you bought the book, it came with nine of them, and now you only have two left? Is that... <laughs> there you go. Okay. Nice. Good for you. That's nice. <laughs> But they have uh, elements in it, like oh God, I'm trying to like get this up, uh, which is like you know what is the first what is the first image in your book, mm. and the first image in your book is what your book is about, and that's the symbol. Oh really? Thing. Yeah, yeah. Things, so things like that, you know, it just puts you in a different kind of uh, mindset of just like oh okay. okay. Oh, I can see that because you you're basically gonna most books are gonna establish either a location or your main character. And if it's your location, then the location is very important. And it's going to be like a, a key part of the storytelling, you know, whether it's London or, you know, or a house or say like someone like, um, what's that guy's name? Uh, um, Thomas Hardy, you know, like his interminable descriptions of a heath in like Tess of the Durbervilles <laughs> and stuff like that, where it's just like endless descriptions of like a bog. Um, but those yeah, are okay, but they're so important in terms of of lo- locale, you know. That's like a key part of his books. I'll run. I'll run you through the fifteen steps. Okay. If you want real fast. Okay, sure. This is- okay. 
So uh, these are, uh, it was originally created for screenwriting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, here we go. So uh, number one is the opening image. That's an opening snapshot that's yeah. showing away your world. Okay. Your uh, next, and that's your first page. Page one. Okay. Uh, next five pages, your theme has to be stated. You're introduced to the central theme or the lesson of the story. Okay. So now we know what type of story it is. The next uh, ten pages are the setup. This is where the hero and the ordinary world are introduced. Okay. Okay. Uh, next twelve pages, the catalyst. Something happens that sets the story in motion. Uh, the next 12 to 25 pages is the debate. The hero's hesitant to take action. Uh, the next 25 pages is is broken into two, and the hero takes up the challenge. Okay. Okay. Then we're getting into the B story. B story is 30 pages. The subplot kicks in, introducing a character who helps the hero in their transformation. Uh, the next 30 to 55 pages, fun and games. The hero is in the throes of their challenge or their journey. Midpoint, we're at now, 55 pages, stakes are raised. It's <laughs> 55 to, uh, 55, oh, sorry. Uh, that next, next one, I'm going to stop saying the numbers because I think these are actually, uh, the page numbers. <laughs> yes, my, yes. my apologies. Yeah. Next, next one, uh, bad guys close in. Okay. Things are going downhill yeah. for the hero. Yeah. Next, all is lost. Things go from bad to worse. Hero hits rock bottom. Next, Dark Knight of the Soul. Faced with defeat, the hero must reckon with their loss, how they got there. Then, break this into three. The hero realizes a truth that's been invading them this whole time. Finale, putting the new awareness into action. The hero conquers the bad guys. Final image, a snapshot that mirrors or contrasts the opening. Okay. So, just break down what you've got into that, and then... (laughs) kind of go from there and fill it out and i know it's really really basic yeah but you know then they kind of go through all these different novels and when they did it with the screenplay they just went here's all these very disparate um scripts for films and go yeah they all follow the same structure it's all this is all is the same even though these are very 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 different movies yeah yeah and then you could do twists and changes and whatever but you know when you do it like that it just helps you to kind of get things in motion and then you know you know what to keep and what to throw away interesting yeah no but you're welcome to uh you're welcome to have the second copy of the book absolutely hmm. no problem so have you found that it's helped you formulate how you want to write or um it it Just let me ask you before i okay. ask you that do you write to an outline or do you just sort of freewheel it for your first draft um right now i'm trying to do the stephen king thing of like a certain amount of pages a day okay uh i, call, I prefer to call it the uh prefer to call it the what do i prefer to call it the anthony trollope okay certain amount of pages a day this is our dollop of trollope <laughs> and he did 2500 uh yeah. words a day yeah and i haven't done stuff on it for about three weeks because you know i've had cat stuff mm-hmm. for the last sure, th- sure. three weeks has put me in a different mindset yeah but uh yeah. Yeah. but yeah i can like sit down and just go like I gotta write. I gotta write eight pages today. Let's see what I can do. And it's basically just getting to the end of the book. And once I've gotten to the end of the book, then it's rewriting. And rewriting is fun. Rewriting is just. It's a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Rewriting is like inking. It's fixing. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of the things I like about doing these uh, script sweetenings for people. It's just like, okay, you've done all the hard work now. I've just <laughs> got to find connections, and I've got to find angles and things sure. that you might not have uh, have seen. Yeah. And so far, so good with that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But it's fun doing it with your own work. Uh, we're <laughs> going to be, I mean, I hope, I hope things go forward with this uh, horror thing for Scholastic that we're doing. Yeah. But, uh, you yeah, know, I was just talking to Pia about that the other day and just going like, 
But let's just remember, this is going to be a fuck of a lot of work. It's going to be a <laughs> lot of fucking work. Yeah, so yeah. much work. Yeah. Uh, oof. 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 But it'll be good. And we're going to come up with something good. But it's going to be it's going to be a real goddamn bear to do. Yeah. They'll they'll help you help you make it harder. <laughs> they'll try their best. Yeah. They'll try their best with some some good advice and some not good advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you so are you waiting to hear? We haven't really talked about it on the show actually. So. That's all right. No. Uh, P and I uh, pitched uh, a graphic novel to Scholastic. They say they love it. Uh, now it's gone over to uh, the acquisition stage, which means it's kind of the final finalers uh, determining things and. Uh, they said that uh, they're going to be coming back to us, hopefully, with an offer in like a couple of weeks. Okay. So, and then we'd uh, get started on it if, if it's a go, but it, everything is pointing towards go right now. What does that mean in this crazy world? Mm. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it, uh, it looks good so far. And I'm very happy with the pitch that we did uh, for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. We'll see. Fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And, you know, hopefully... You know, we'll do more sparks at some point, but you know, waiting to hear what's up with that. The 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 last two books, you know, were bestsellers in Canada, but they came out during uh, times when there's no bookstores, basically. Yeah, and yeah. there was no schools and what have you. You think they would take that into account in their mm. accounting of these things? Mm. But... It was a nice thing this week, though. Uh, had a uh, letter from a mom uh, whose uh, daughter and her friend uh, dressed up as. They were dressing up as Charlie and August from Sparks. Yeah. And then decided, we got to make the suit. And so they made the suit <laughs> as well. It was for World Book Day. Yeah, it's great. So especially in the UK, kids dress up as their favorite book characters. So we've had kids do that before. But mm-hmm. this was, yeah, this was a great costume. Yeah. Very, very fun. A lot of fun indeed. And then we had a nice mention on the podcast as well. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. That's Do you great. remember what the podcast was called? All the Books, I think it's called. Okay. And it was, um, yeah, it was great. It was because the person who was talking about them, had never read them before, had never seen them before. Just someone else recommended them to her, and she loved them uh, enthusiastically. So that was nice to hear. Hopefully that transmits into some interest from other people as well. Uh, you just kind of hope word of mouth will eventually... Yeah, well, again, it was nice doing Van... Uh, whatever, uh, Fan Expo uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And yeah, all these kids came up who were loved the book, and that was just really nice to hear. And then when we did... Uh, uh, Van Calf, like last time, yeah, very much so. You know, last so. few t- the last few times we've had kids enthusiastically, yeah, <laughs> raving. It is interesting because you do you put it out into the world and then you're like, mm-hmm. maybe you like it. Yeah, I, I like it, but I had it was nice the other the other day. I was at um, uh, Pret a Manger at uh, <laughs> at uh, Station Station Square, yeah, and uh, and uh, a person came up who was a, a fan of um, uh, my work. And oh. while well, I was like trying to buy a sandwich, and I was like, "I'm trying to buy a sandwich." <laughs> I'm sure you were. Yeah, but no, it was very, very sweet. Yeah, it's like oh. that's awesome. And, and yeah, I've been having people come up and like really liking like these daily cartoons I've been doing as well. And like people are seeing those. All right, that's fine. That's good. Yeah, my mother-in-law is a big fan of them, but now she's got notes, so uh, <laughs> she can't read them anymore. Yeah, that's enough of that. <laughs> Why isn't your wife in them more? <sighs> fine. <laughs> Because they're little introspective moments when I'm like full of self-doubt. And when I'm with her, I'm not as much full of self-doubt. So it doesn't work. (sighs) (laughs) She can do her own daily comics. Oh, and she can do them better. (laughs) She's much more talented than I am. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I did one the other day. It's like I had I had a thing happen that was like ugh, uh, where I went to the I went to the pool and I uh, was swimming, and then afterwards I I decided to do meditate in the whirlpool, mm. and um, so I had my I shut my eyes and I was meditating, and I was like, this, you know what, this is really nice, and I had this worried tap from a lifeguard who thought I'd passed out. Okay. <laughs> And so I could see like all these people looking at me like they were worried I'd passed out too. Yeah. And I was like, and I hadn't passed out because I was very aware of what the time was because I was having to meet, you know, my ride afterwards. And I was like, oh, <laughs> just, it was just so embarrassing. It was really, really embarrassing. And I felt real shit about it. And I was like, Ugh. and uh, then I came home and I drew it up. And got all this real nice feedback from the drawing about it. <laughs> and all these people had stories they could relate to about yeah. this kind of thing. I was like, oh, that's nice. So it's nice to be able yeah. to turn the embarrassing moments into something like that. Mm-hmm. At least something people can either commiserate or empathize with. Or get a laugh out of. Like there's sure. some people who are just like really having a good laugh out of it. And I was like, <laughs> sure. That works too. Yeah. And it's been nice, especially, you know. With uh, with Tendy to Cohen, who's who's had a good week. Thanks for uh, everyone who's asking. Um, you know, uh, and the stress of that being able to like occasionally like tap into that and draw that, and then get a lot of feedback from people who you know went through similar things and are you know it's just yeah. just nice just having people who are on mm-hmm. Team Cohen's side, and it's it's very very sweet. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough thing to it's a tough thing to do some nights, mm. but uh, mm. I'm glad I'm doing it. Yeah, that's very good. And then with the pool thing, I mean. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's good or bad, but the essence of being a good storyteller is being able to make fun of yourself in your stories. Mm-hmm. If all your stories are about how great you are, no one, <laughs> no one cares, you know? Yeah, I don't want two things. One, I don't want to be uh, the character who always has the right zinger. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you don't want to be that. Uh, though, I am, I have to acknowledge that I am coming at this. You do hate lasagna. You know, with the, yeah. Oh, sorry, you love lasagna. You I love Mondays. lasagna, that's right. <laughs> but up. the Esprit de Scalier, as we were talking about, <laughs> yeah. uh, the nice thing about the Esprit de Scalier is when you're drawing it later, mm. aha, the now there. I've got the perspective and I can <laughs> twist it around and give it a little thing and now here's what the thing is all about. That's is that, good. Is that honest? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because okay. like, I'm presenting in the actual thing how I felt at the time. Yeah. And now I'm the person... A couple of hours later, who has had the perspective on this, yeah. and I can relate to it in a different way. Okay. And I do think both things are true. Yeah, you know how you felt about an incident at the time and how you feel about it currently mm. are both true. Yeah, and so you can present both those. But I don't want to present myself as the one who has the uh, zinger at the moment. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also don't want to present myself, and I'm worried about this as the person who's the wide-eyed innocent who's like. <laughs> What a crazy world that's happening around me. The normal person who's just trying to do these things. Because I never used to like the autobiographical cartoons that would do that. But occasionally I'll see my cartoons and just go like, I just look like a babe in the woods in this. But, you know, at times, at the time, I was feeling like, I don't know what's going on. It's a crazy situation. Uh, I guess it's all, all legit. I suppose, it's, yeah, it's just this thing is, you just can't overdo that yeah it was two there was two like uh worried you're looking like an old man moments this this week and one was you know sir are you dead i was like that i don't like in a hot tub when i'm like everyone else around me is a grandpa what the fuck i'm the guy that you're coming to with this shit Ugh. and the other one was i went to a restaurant uh down the street from me and i couldn't find the entrance and i've been to it before okay and and it was because there was two well I can justify it, but there's no justification. And I knew at the time there was no justification. Yeah. 
and I was just missing something. And I was like, the fuck, this place is had a door. Good. They also had a window with through the back into the kitchen. I, I thought that was a perfectly so legitimate up, way to go in. I ended up going in the back door. Yes. <laughs> I ended up going in the door that said, do not enter, through a, do- through a little flap that said, alarm will sound. Because I was just like, fuck it. Figure this out. Uh, but they had two doors next to each other that looked like the same. And okay. I thought the door that was the entrance door was a door to the barbershop that was next door. Okay. okay. So it just looked like it was part of that. Yeah. But there's no excuse because I've been to this damn place before. <laughs> So I drew I drew that yeah, up because again sense. it was my embarrassing moment of the day, sure. and I had a whole bunch of people go like, "Yeah, I've been through that before." <laughs> like you're just like, "Why can't I figure out this really basic just thing that clearly?" Ugh. But yeah, it did feel like the two old men moments of the of the week were those. Like this is worrisome. I don't like this. Yes, <laughs> that's gonna happen when I'm really old. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully by that point, people will like me enough that they'll go like, hey, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I don't know what this means. Oh, well, then do this. Oh, thank you. Are you going to draw me tonight? Maybe. Maybe I will. If this is embarrassing enough. Your pants fell off. Then I will. You win. I'm just a babe in the woods. That's right. I don't know about belts. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Deep, deep, dorp, dorp. <laughs> That's good. No, I've been enjoying those as well. I look forward to them. I, my phone always tells me when you post a photo, and I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. We've been trying to uh, uh, be social as well this week. So we, we went to Chinese food with our friends David and Allison mm, nice. uh, because they were like leaving the next day. And they were saying how uh, when we get back, we should do this, that, and the other thing. And we should uh, we want to go to this restaurant, Pink Pearl, that's like near your neighborhood. And I would just want to go tomorrow. Yep. I was like, <laughs> okay, done. And then we're still trying to plan like a bigger thing for all of us to mm. like get together. Sure. Uh, and then, yeah, we had, uh, we had a, a tea with uh, our friend Louise, you nice. know, a frequent writer uh, on, on, on to the show. What's called a writer inner? Yeah, she's a writer and a writer of letters. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, uh, like, listen, the fact that we get so much writing out of her. Yeah. She is a top-level writer. Yeah. She is a Gemini Award-winning writer. Mm-hmm. She writes for, like, one of the most popular TV shows in the world. We were very lucky to get letters from her. <laughs> uh, so we had a little tea, and that was yeah. nice. And then we had a soda social with uh, our, our neighbor as well. It's quite social this uh, this week. That's good. Yeah. We had Sundays. We always make Sundays. We love Sundays. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, yeah. Have a nice <laughs> Sunday. Uh, uh, yeah, ice cream social would be a nice thing. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. Yeah, okay, we should do that as well. <laughs> I'll have to wait for after Lent for my uh, my ice cream social. It is nice, though. We just have it around, like, the uh, the dining room table. And it's this, it's just enough, like, having little sandwiches and whatnot. And it's just enough to, like, go, yeah, it just opens people up and we're just having fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like being at a restaurant, but you don't have people bothering you. And it's way less expensive. <laughs> and the idea that you can have as much sandwiches as you want is just exciting. <laughs> You know, and a bo- and a bunch of different types of sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, it's just fun. That's cool. Yeah, and yeah. I like my I like my friends too. So I like uh, talking, and we and everyone seems to have a lot to say. So that's good. Like that's this, nice. and then I, I do this. <laughs> I talk to you for three hours. More, more talking. Yeah, <laughs> usually over some snacks, and then we go out. We have dinner, and then we talk over more food. <laughs> so it's a really fucking social week. <laughs> this is part of the uh, you know thing we talked about before with like the tools. Where uh, whoever that guy Stutz or what have you, yeah, uh, I, I re- only remember two things where he said like, "Listen, if you want something that'll make you feel better, like uh, quick exercise is one of them, mm-hmm. and uh, do something social like 
call up someone for coffee, even if you don't really like the person. Like, just go for coffee and talk with a person for like an hour. You'll feel better <laughs> than, you know, hanging yeah. around at home. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I'll do those two things. I'll go for a swim and I'll uh, talk with friends. There yeah. you go. Interesting. Um, last weekend, I, uh, I did something I've never done before. I went to a, I guess it's a retreat at, at our church. Okay. What's that mean? That's a good question. I had no idea. I'd never been to one before. It's something they put in every while, once in a while. They used to do it more before COVID, of course, and it's been a long time since. I think this is the first one since COVID. Okay. Uh, and it was still it was a little underattended. I think people are still a bit nervous. Where know, did it take place? At, at our church. Okay. So it wasn't a retreat like go somewhere no, else? No, no. I guess some people travel to us. Most people were from the, the area. Okay. But a lot of people, most of the people weren't from our church. Like they're, oh. they're people from other, other, other um, denominations and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was interesting. Okay. I had people come up from Bellingham. Some people came from uh, down from the interior and stuff for it. So, so yeah. Has that and that's never happened before? No, we've had them. But I've just never been to one. Oh, okay, all right. I've just never gone. Like, I kind of feel like, like obviously I'm religious, but I'm not like crazy or <laughs> whatever you want. Like, I'm not something, I, <laughs> something I think about all the time, or you know, or even when I like. Because the thing for me, and that's something I talked about at, at it actually was because we I went to one one thing which was hosted by our our uh, priest, which was talking about like biblical interpretation and it's just talking about lenses like every everyone who looks at the bible reads it through their own particular lens sure whatever the lens or series of lenses are whether they're you know gender or race or economic status or history tradition all those sort of things that Mm -hmm. that can change how you're you know reading and i and i said for me it's i mean i approach everything from a state of like not ignorance necessarily, but kind of like a sort of neutral or disbelief in a way, you know, because I didn't grow up going to church. Like we never went to the church as a, as a family ever when I was a was kid. Was it ever discussed why you didn't do that? No. Nope. There, there was never a negative thing about church? There was never a negative thing about it. It just wasn't something we did. We went to church when someone died or when someone got married. Okay. Those were our two, two I could tell, like, church we, going ways. We were like, we our thing was always like, there was guilt that we didn't go. Yeah. At least for my mom. Yeah. Was the guilt that we didn't go. And my dad clearly thought it was boring. Yeah. And uh, he was Anglican. Okay. So, and we were, whereas my mom was Catholic and yeah. we were being raised Catholic and went to Catholic school. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We, he was not game for it. <laughs> thought it was dull and wanted to sleep. Yeah. 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 I don't blame him. Um, so, yeah. yeah a it's... quick word to church. Maybe not the morning. <laughs> I don't know. Get just it, for marketing. Get I'm it just out like, of the way is my feeling. Let, let me tell you something. You yeah. know, Star Wars wouldn't be popular if like all of the screenings were at 8 a.m. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. To a degree. I mean, our, our church is at 10, so it's not uh, totally unreasonable. But at the same time, just get it over with. That's my feeling about church. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like things like. And but it sort of reflects my feeling about the whole like retreat as well. It's like things like prayer. Just it's not something I do. I don't practice it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I practice it at church. Like when I go to church, I'll do the collect. Of, you know, I'll do the intercession. I'll listen to the intercessor, intercessionary prayers. How do you say them? Anyway, I'll listen to those. I'll listen to prayers of intercession. There you go. I'll listen to that. But I don't. You know, the grace and all those sort of things. Like. I'll do those. I just don't do them the rest of the week. You know, like, it's kind of like 
church and then now it's life. Now, when you're saying prayer, is this a, a set prayer that you would be yeah. repeating and not yeah. you talking directly to the higher power, like and and just asking, you know, for assistance in you know giving, giving you strength or what you want? Yeah, to no, it, they're not personal. Like they're yeah. they're, they're community uh, okay. prayers of intercession, and and our prayers of forgiveness are community as well. There's right. very little individual elements to, to, to Anglicanism it's a it's a communal it's a communal effort or a communal thing um and I do like the prayers like but I don't want to like do them the rest of the week because it's just not normal it's not natural like it's, we didn't say grace at table and stuff so sure. I you know I know when I when I first became a Christian often like at Thanksgiving or whatever I guess it's sort of a nod to me my parents would be like so maybe David wants to say grace and then they would look at me and I'd be like no, because I've never said it. Like I don't know what it. I don't know that. I don't even know like how you say it. Like what are the what are the some like common elements to put together like a a good. I don't. I don't know. I, forget it. Just ignore me. Let's eat turkey. Like yeah, it's just so you know. Like it's just not. Thanks for the food. Thanks for your yeah, family. There you go. That's, That's basically there you're you go. good. Yeah. Thanks for the people that are here. Sure. That's awkward. And then you look at the turkey and go, "Better you than me." <laughs> yeah. God forbid we eat turkey. Um, yeah, the turkey god is really napping. <laughs> oh, great gobble! <laughs> so it's all yeah. It's just a it's a bit of a so it's kind of weird. Like going to that was just it's sort of weird to to me just because. Well, what what did they do at the retreat? What was like? Well, some of it was interesting. Like one of the one thing that I thought was really fascinating was they really they really concentrated on the story of the transfiguration. Okay. Like that was their big kind of their thing they hang, hung their hat on. So I eat, there are two speakers. Is One's, this from Jesus uh, transforming into into God, like at the end? Or no, no, no. This, the Transfiguration is a story when Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter and a couple, couple other uh, disciples. Okay. And then they're there, and then um, suddenly Moses and Elijah are there with them. Oh, this is new to me. Okay. Oh, okay, you know the story? Okay, no, yeah. So, so yeah, they go, up this mount, they go up this mountain, and Jesus just takes a couple of... Disciples with him. Interestingly, the ones that are the ones that deny him the most <laughs> when sure. the time comes to to let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, but they go up and and while they're there, uh, Moses, like Moses and Elijah join or suddenly appear. And there's two different tellings of it. There's the uh, story. There's it's in Matthew and it's in Luke. And um, and so yeah, so Christ is talking with Moses and Elijah, and then Peter's very excited. He's like, we got to build like three tabernacles here you know like we gotta you know have this and and then christ is kind of like hey calm down peter <laughs> like, the yeah let's just not get carried away but then um <laughs> the cl- then uh there's like a like jesus transfigured so jesus becomes like he begins to like shine like glow or sparkle or whatever to glisten right and then uh so twilight ripped this the off voice, <laughs> it's yeah. right. and he also ran up really fast up the mountain uh and then uh, the voice of God, you know, announces that he is he is the truly his son. That is his. And so um, now it's a it's a kooky story, you know. And if you have trouble with like the miraculous elements of of the Bible, which you know in, in our post enlightenment world we do have trouble with those parts of the Bible. And so it's a part. It's kind of something that you know 
you kind of, oh, it's Transfiguration Sunday. Let's do the story and then let's just go on. Let's just forget about that. It's kind of weird. It's hard to explain. Let's, you know, let's go on. You know, we can, healing, we can understand. Walking in the water, it depends on how you want to translate it. Da, 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 da. But, you know, like that story is just like clear, flat out, like this is, this is a crazy thing that happened and we're telling you that this happened. It's even crazier than the resurrection. Now you can kind of understand, but this is, what the hell? So, um, yeah, so it was like everyone, the two speakers, uh, over the three days, like it was Friday night, Saturday day, and, sun- and Sunday after church, uh, all like concentrated on that story and huh. kind of talked about it a lot, which is really interesting because, like I say, it's something that I think in our, you know, rational world, it's very hard for us to hear that kind of story and not just kind of go, well, for me anyway, to not hear it and not, not kind of go, okay or whatever you know like that's a story i wonder how that got in there who who edited this but um it was really interesting because there the one guy who was a teacher at uh, vancouver theological school which is at ubc uh and now just left his position there and now he's like uh a pastor at a church in toronto but he was basically like drawing showing all the the parallels between the old testament uh and the transfiguration story and just sort of drawing like, you know, so this talks about like Daniel mentions this and then we see it reflected here and just kind of showing like, and he's really into like the Jewish connect, which are pretty like obviously are there because the early Christians were Jews, like that it's a Jewish, they're all, they're all Jews. And so, you know, so that was very, especially Matthew who like his whole, the whole, the whole gospel of Matthew is like full of, uh, you know, kind of, paraphrases and stuff uh, from prophecy and stuff from the old testament and that was really fascinating and then and they kind of went through that for the for the weekend i really enjoyed that element of it uh i went to a talk but a kind of open-ended talk between two of them on sunday which i'll be honest i fell asleep okay because it was just like totally interesting to me it was just full of like a lot of hair splitting and a lot of like theological (laughs) mumbo jumbo and i just wasn't like not your bag not my bag yeah it wasn't what i'm unless um i remember doing like we did like a kind of a personality test one time at church. I can't remember where I did that. I think when I was at, on parish council. But anyway, and pretty much I like fell right in like the head part of it. And that's me just like all, I just intellectually, I'm interested in this. But like in terms of mystical stuff, I'm not really, okay. you know, it's not that I'm heartless or whatever, but I'm just not interested in that part of, I mean, I'm interested in it, but in an intellectual way, <laughs> if mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. And I remember even like one of, uh, one of our priests, she, we were talking one time and I was just saying, oh, I really liked your sermon today. And she goes, that's because you're a head guy, Dave. <laughs> I said, you're right. That test I took said that too. But she knows me. She knows me. <laughs> um, she knows too much. She knows too much. So yeah, that kind of bored me, but uh, I I enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed a lot of it. And I enjoyed just like talking to people there. Like we we had like, mm-hmm. um, we had lunch together uh, and we had breakfast together. We had lunch together, and we didn't. Did we have dinner one? And we had lunch the next day. I, I don't know if we had dinner. No, dinner was separate. You just went off on your own for dinner. I missed the Saturday evening part of it because I had already got tickets for a concert. So I went to a concert okay. on the on the Saturday. Finally got to see White Denim. That's my third attempt to see them. <laughs> finally got finally made it to the show. Um, so yeah, I wasn't gonna miss it. But yeah, it was really good. I, you know, really, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, like I said, I enjoyed talking to people. That was probably my favorite part was just meeting people from other places, other churches and stuff like that. Would you want to go to their church for their retreats and 
See what that's like? Yeah, I mean, if they if they were doing that, yeah. I mean, we do it because we have we've made a made an, a concentrated effort to create a thing called the Center for Spiritual Renewal. Oh, okay. And so that's part of... That's the, why they're there. That's why we have them there, because there's people who organize at our church are really into this stuff and organize and do a lot of like listening prayer and all these sort of um, different sorts of contemplative prayer and stuff like that that exist outside of the church part of it. And they'll do them on the weekends or do like courses or clinics or whatever. Okay, cool. Seminars, whatever you want to call them. But uh, like I say, prayer... And the people that came, a uh, wide variety of ages or were mm-hmm. their own? Yeah. yeah, young people, older nice. people. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I really like when you're talking about a church is, uh, is yeah, it just being a place where people of different ages can like all get together. and Rare nowadays, right? It's very, it is rare, yeah. I find there's a little bit of that with, uh, you know, at Comic-Cons that I like. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's kids there. There's, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Older, older folks sure, as well. Sure, so. But you don't really have like a coffee time or whatever where... You know, you just randomly sit at tables with people, and and you just end up with like a mix of people well, that are I'll t- I'll different tell almost you, every time. We kind of do because what happens is, you know, and I don't we, mean between the professionals. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I mean, I, I'm going to say just I'll just say this fast. Yeah, it's like because uh, you know we do have the things at night. Where it is like a pro thing, where it's just like, well, let's all just go for dinner. And yeah, you do yeah. get people from different mm-hmm. generations, for sure, the sure. newcomers. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting next to Trina Robbins, and yeah. I'm just like, hey, you uh, created Vampirella. That's neat. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah I did. It's yeah. like, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you mugs. Listen, buddy. <laughs> yeah, because I was talking to some people that came up from Wenatchee, which is in Washington, and I didn't know where it was, but it's actually near, like kind of central Washington. So it's in like the dry part of Washington yeah. state, uh, kind of in alfalfa land. They said, oh, no, she's called the apple capital okay. of the world. But the lady said, it's not really anymore because there's lots of vineyards and stuff that have like sprung up and taken the place of orchards. Kind of the same thing happening in Kelowna as well. And, you know, Summerland in that area, like lots of vineyards are popping up and the orchards are kind of disappearing. But... Um, they were talking, and they weren't Anglicans. They weren't even Episcopalians. They were non-denominational. And the guy was a pastor himself. Mm. And so then when they said non-denominational, I was, in my head I was kind of like, uh-oh, cuckoo. But then they're talking about something. <laughs> they're talking. I wouldn't say that to them, but you're just thinking like, oh, oh no. I hope not. That would be oh, uh, pretty no. rough. Like, when you start making up your own church, I feel like that's kind of tricky. But um, they, uh, I don't think it's making up your own church, but no. they were... Um, Churches need to be made up when you need a divorce. <laughs> they were um, open and admitting their church. had just become open and admitting. What does that mean? That is uh, gay-friendly. Oh, okay. And so this is like, I didn't even know this is like a new thing in evangelical circles, like evangelical churches becoming open and admitting. So be- becoming gay-friendly places that are open to, to nice. same-sex. It's nice to hear like when that. things seem to be going the other direction. Exactly. So That's ways, what yeah. I thought, too. Yeah. And I said, wow, that's amazing. So I said, like, did you have much trouble bringing that into the church? And they said, surprisingly, not that many, not that much trouble. Like, lost a couple of people, you know, they just couldn't abide it or whatever, for whatever reason. And I said, you know, the same thing happened here when our, when, when, because in the Anglican, in our diocese, Michael, uh, Bishop Michael Ing- Ingham, who was a bishop then, just like unilaterally declared same-sex blessings and stuff like that as a thing. And you know, churches either fall in line or not. It was up to them. But and there's a lot of ruction. You know, like there's a lot of problems. Not a ton, but there's a lot of people who are angry about it. But the same thing happened when they allowed the ordination of women. Sure, had the same kind of you know people. This is not how we did it in the past. 
And uh, but I have to say, like at our church, like it was a remarkable like cross section of people. Like it wasn't like old people that were against it and young people that were for it. It was just a big mix of people that were all for it. You know, like all ages. You know, who and I always never forget. Like we, for whatever reason, we had to do like a we had to do like this kind of town meeting kind of thing at church. And we did it during a service. We brought, they brought tables into the into the sanctuary, and we because our sanctuary doesn't have pews; it just has chairs, mm-hmm. so you can like move stuff around. Uh, leftover from the days when they were in gymnasiums after the church burned down. <laughs> okay, and everyone, you know, it's great having chairs you can move. It's great. Let's just have chairs we move. Let's forget pews. Let's have comfortable chairs that you can just move them around. So yeah, so we so we had all these tables set up, and then we we're supposed to like discuss, you know, how we felt about you know th- these changes, with same sex marriage and whatnot. And I remember like 78, and he's like, the only thing I want to know is why it's taken so goddamn long to get to this point. <laughs> this is like, good for you, Bill. Good for you. Right on. Why is it taking this long? This is ridiculous. And also, who are you people? <laughs> I'm in the wrong building. <laughs> no, Bill is Bill's still with it. This isn't an ABC restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. So I was really happy to hear about open and admitting churches because that's something I've heard about. Because I think we do get the bad because the news tends to want to tell you the bad news. So you do get the bad news about things. So you don't hear about churches like it, there's no news story saying like you know this percentage of evangelical churches in the United States have become open and admitting. Yeah, you know because that's a big movement there. You know if that that that, that is happening is a big I, yeah, change. Yeah, I know it's like a culture war thing now to be the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I, I i honestly like though the whenever it just feels like obviously like prejudice is bullshit anyway but mm-hmm. but like i don't even think the people that are objecting to shit like are really objecting to shit like i don't think they really are they just don't know they just it's just the thing they're supposed to be objecting to so mm-hmm. it's the thing that they're doing but it's like this wasn't bothering you like you know a year ago <laughs> yeah, yeah at all yeah are you really sincerely worried about this yeah. like is this yeah. uh is this an issue and yeah. yeah, it's a drag performers are reading to your kids. Oh my gosh, <laughs> what's what? Yeah, what, what do you feel about Miss Piggy? Because to me, <laughs> that's a drag performance. Does she bug you? Because it's a guy, yeah, lady. Yeah, and I was watching like an old um, uh, Mister Rogers, and you got Lady Elaine Fairchild there. Mm. I'm like, I know it's a puppet, but it's a drag performance. <laughs> like everything about that, you know. It's hey, totally... Chucks, yeah. let me tell you about. Like he's doing a real good drag character with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Like she's a hundred percent overly made up, <laughs> you know, real snarky and yeah, salty. Yeah. I'm real, just like, mm, she's a real diva. Yeah, a real diva. I'm like, mm, I think, I think uh, yeah, yeah. this has been among us for a long fucking time. <laughs> this is bugging you now. Well, I think that's it, and I think I feel like. Like they, they, all those people, they know someone who's gay, you know, the problem is, is there's that whole thing of like, well, you know, you can love the person and, but hate the sin. What's the sin again? <laughs> They're homosexual. That's a sin. Wait, what part is the sin? Yeah, exactly. Isn't is that it bad? like, is it, is it the part? Yeah. Cause then you get into like this, like if you find a, a man attractive, mm. if you're a man, is that the sin? But like not sexually attractive, yeah. but you just go like, that's a handsome man. Is that a sin? No. Okay. But you find them attractive. Yeah, that's okay. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, they're a very sexy man. Okay, good. So, uh, but what if you don't do anything about it? Is that mm-hmm. still a sin? Well, I guess maybe it's not a sin. Okay. At what point is it a sin? Mm-hmm. You know, and then it just gets to dumb fucking, it's just well, dumb. It's also, anyway, I mean, I saw somewhere that the um, the word, actual word homosexual wasn't introduced in the Bible until the 40s. 
1940s. Sure. So that's, yeah. Talk about culture wars. Like you're inserting a word in there to enforce your your perspective. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the Bible. It's entirely to do with, with culture, you know, a shameful culture. But there you go. Also, look, a, a big part to me, a big part of the Bible is you've, you want to sell your religion, right? You want you want more people to be of your sure. faith. You want more stuff made of gopher wood if the Bible is anything to judge by. Sure, sure. And so, you know, you don't want to, like, talk down, you know, that because you're going to kill a chunk of your audience. <laughs> like, and you want to sell this thing, man. So, yeah. Well, like, I, you know what I Weirdly, weirdly, exclusive exclusion sells. Like, being exclusive sells more than being inclusive, you know? Like, making something that's difficult for people to be part of makes it more attractive to people but isn't the isn't the whole thing the go forth and multiply we want to have as many people in our faith as possible because that gives because you know one for like unselfish reasons of course then you all will attain the glory of god and that's good are you telling me there's christians out there twisting the words of the bible (laughs) that's crazy you want what are you telling me you know the more people you can get okay and then you get the selfish thing the more people you can get into your mega church the more money you make so you want to be as inclusive as possible. So, you know, you want to cut a lot of slack around the edges and, mm. you know. Oh, those hey, mega uh, churches are really exclusive. Let me tell you something. Uh, God wants you to be rich. Really? Because I don't think God <laughs> wants you to be rich. No, 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 no. This is fine with, fine with that. No. But that's what the mega churches are selling. Yeah. Yeah. A, a prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, yeah. A twisted. It'd be funny. Um, you get up horrible. to the afterlife and there's rich heaven. <laughs> I don't think rich heaven's going to be a good heaven. Speaking of, of a tree that won't fruit, prosperity gospel right there, right there for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyway, it was an interesting. It was an interesting weekend. Oh, good. I'm glad. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's nice to meet people. It's nice to meet people. Uh, talking about okay, two things. One, I remember the third thing. Third. Uh, the third thing that you do to make your life better. Oh, is okay. Like, okay. One, exercise. Yeah. Two, uh, be more social, as in, like, just sure. get a coffee with someone, even yeah. if you don't care for them. And three, have uh, sex. Ger- yeah, have as much sex as possible. <laughs> just, like, do it. <laughs> like rabbits. Do it like rabbits. Yeah. Uh, while your rabbit watches you, because you got a rabbit, because you're a weirdo. <laughs> no. Uh, third, third thing yeah. is, uh, at the end of the day, or even during the day, mm. uh, write down uh, what you're thinking. Oh, really? Write it down. What are you feeling? Write it all down. Get it out. And then oh, when you've gotten it out, you'll feel better. Yeah. Huh. So write as much, journal as much as you can. Just can I just it. suppress all my feelings? Yeah, it works great. Yeah, it's been so far so good. Yep. I can, I'm a, tamp all the gunpowder down. I'm a living example. Tamp, tamp, tamp. Living tamp, example tamp, of tamp. how good that is. Put it in the basement. Throw it in the basement. <laughs> those nice tight gunpowder balls. Yeah. Throw them in the basement. That's where I want them. And uh, everything's going to be just boom. <laughs> there you are. But yeah, those are the three things, you know, uh, that he says... Uh, you know, I want to feel better right now. Here are the three things to do. Ugh, those are hard. I'm like, yeah, that's how that goes. Mm. Yeah. You want to fix things? You exercise gotta... is easy. Is it? Yeah, I like I like to not exercise. For, not, for, uh, I, not for everyone I know. I'm just saying for me, exercise is easy. Okay. Socializing. Socializing is easy. All right. Writing things down. That's hard. Why is that hard? It's like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> gotta write, gotta write stuff out. Uh. Here's the thing about that to me. It's like by the time you've gotten to the third sentence, then you're fine. Mm. Uh, it's hard to write the first sentence. It's hard. Uh, maybe the second sentence. But then you get into a groove and then you're, you're, okay. you go. Okay. And then like so now keep, I got to write like it a journal? All. You keep like a journal? Now? I used to keep like a I consider doing the cartoons kind of okay. that for okay. me. All right. Because that's my. Oh, that's a thousand words. Because yeah, that's true. That 
ideally, you know, uh, in the original um, Linda Berry course thing, yeah. you do the drawing and then you underneath you write your day. Mm. And there's other things that you can do as well. And I did that. And the early cartoons that I've done, I, I did that as well. But to me, it's a part of the day where I just kind of sit down and just go, what happened today? And I reflect on what happened today and what was an impactful thing and what's something that I want to draw now that will reflect what, what was in the day. And when I'm drawing it, I'm thinking of the day. So, you know, it is taking me to that place that I think that you would be doing by writing things down. But sometimes I do write down just a lot of shit. I just write down how I'm feeling and everything I'm feeling. And then hopefully no one will ever read this because it looks insane. (laughs) Though I'm sure if people read it, they'd go, I feel the same way. Because that's the way that stuff always goes. Yeah. You know, whatever you're the most ashamed of, if you actually like said it out loud, people would go, yep, me too. And you go, what? But I've been keeping that in for my whole life. And to be, yeah. No, hmm. that's the Maria Bamford thing. Whatever is the thing that you're most ashamed of, someone else has done it, and they're out there, and it's okay. Yeah, doesn't necessarily mean what you did is right. <laughs> but she had that when she uh, uh, accidentally killed her dog. She accidentally killed her dog. Yeah, huh? she had a she had a pug, and uh, the the uh, pug was on a little leash, and it it did a jump, and then it like choked itself to death. And oh, she went, no. And she loved that dog so much. Yeah. And she went like, yeah, I'm a murderer. I'm the worst person in the world. And then, you know, she wrote a whole big, long bit on this mm. of just like, yeah, but other people do this, and it's just things happen. And Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, something happened to a lady at where Mary worked before uh, the, the dog got stuck in the elevator, and the leash just went up and yeah. got stuck and killed the dog. Things happen. Yes, it's terrible. This is one of the things like you can't stop it. Once it's in motion, you can just only watch it happen. Yeah, terrible. You think you're terrible the worst feeling. person in the world, but you know what? Again, whatever you've done that you think is the worst thing that you've that you've done, you're right. It's bad, <laughs> but hey, welcome to the world. You know, and often uh, things like that shared are things like that halved, and yeah, there there you are. We've talked about stuff. On here that I, I that you know are like my most embarrassing moments and my most you know traumatic moments and what have you and usually before I talk about them I'm just like well this is a bad idea and then at the end of it it's like eh now it's out there and now it's and 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 quite a few of them I don't even remember yeah you know them yeah there's one that I distinctly remember is thinking like that's my worst memory and I said it on 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 here and uh, and I honestly couldn't tell you what it is right now. Like, well, that's good. Yeah. That's good if you if can get rid of it like that. Yeah. Oh, now I'm remembering it. Yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> it sounds strange to remember it. No, it's okay. <laughs> Let me bask in the I didn't want to make it seem like it was like a senior moment or anything like mm, that. Okay. There, there no, it, sound, it didn't sound like a senior moment. It just sounded like it's something that you dwelt, dwelled on for a long time. You talked about, you got over it, and now it's there's no need to think about it anymore. Oh, I don't know if I ever really got over it. Like, it still remains, like, the worst moment. Like, it <laughs> I was, shouldn't say it got over it, but... The most humiliating. Okay. Yeah. So you still do dwell on it? Uh, if I think about it, like, my stomach goes... Mm. But I am glad that I talked about it on here. Yeah. It, was, it felt like it was... The kind of thing that I could ne- I could never actually talk about, but uh, uh, I did, and then uh, it was you know you went oh and it was all right. <laughs> oh yeah, that's my response. There is a little bit of, of something too. Uh, you know, a lot of things that 
that I, uh, there's like an age thing that happens uh, that I did not expect, which is when I see my nephew achieve an age that I had, and I remember a thing that I did at his age, yeah, and I go, oh my God, I was a kid. <laughs> Whereas I remember it not as a kid, I remember it as an adult, yeah. because that was the only perspective I had at the time. Yeah. And I think of like, oh, oh man, I was the worst. That was, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And then I look at him and just go, hey, he's just a kid. I was just a kid. It's okay. Cut yourself some slack. Yeah. It's fine. You know, you were playing with dolls like, you know, five years earlier. Don't worry about it. It's all fine. You know, you were like just a couple of years away from your balls dropping. It's fine. You're fine. You're just a kid. It's yeah. okay. You know? Huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but personally speaking, as a former teenager, I wouldn't want people to, who are older than me thinking that I was a kid when I was uh, in my early 20s or whatever and insisting on making decisions for me. You're just a kid. I'm going to make decisions for you. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> i make my own decision. Like, and they'll all be bad. But like I think you've got, you've got a couple of daughters who are very smart, uh, smarter than the average bears. Sure, but they have, they have regrets as well. We all... We all Oh, sure, sure. A life, a life without regrets would not be a life. I would think like, yeah, I don't know how many. Okay, so think of like, again, think of something you did in your early 20s that you're like, oh, like, like this is an embarrassing thing. And then try to picture. I can, you know what? I don't really have any. Okay, that's good. I just, I don't care about that stuff. Really. Good on you. I don't live that. Excellent. Live in it. Uh, but I would say for other people that uh, that uh, do feel that way. For my teens. Try to. Teens. Okay. Even All right, let's go teens. <laughs> Yeah. Then try to think of like a teenager, you know, that's that age yeah. and they do the thing that you did. Would you think of them? What a fucking piece of shit. Or would you think like, yeah, they're a kid. This is a kid. No, I would, totally I would think that. And I think that about myself too. I think, oh, this is a kid. Yeah. And a dumb kid, an immature kid. I was a very immature teenager. Or at that point I was very mature and I didn't mature much faster. You were mature or you were immature? I was very immature. I was very Im- immature as a teenager. Okay. Did you think you were mature? I mean, I didn't judge myself that way, like immature or mature. I thought that what I thought was fine. I didn't think I was weird. But it just took me a long time to be to grow out of being a kid and being into okay and being into being an adult. And that was not in high school. <laughs> I reached that point. I was still like dreading adulthood in high school. But uh, eventually, you have to get used to it. It comes whether you want it to or not. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do about it. Even just didn't want to be a square like my old man. <laughs> really made uh, being an adult look not fun. Well, I definitely didn't want to be a square, but it wasn't because I didn't want to be a square because of my parents. I didn't want to be a square because I associated that with people I didn't like in school. Oh, okay. You know, and they're, I didn't want to have their pedestrian tastes. You know, I wanted to be different. You know? So it's why my like movie watching and movie going in the 80s was like was weirdly adult and became more immature as I got older because I embraced things that I rejected as a teenager as being too too popular you know I wasn't yeah I wasn't a churchgoer but I think I achieved something that uh, you kind of get with church what you're saying about like uh, older and younger mm. uh, things because when I, you do a play yeah it's very rare that the, there's a play that everyone's the same age unless sure. it's a very small play yeah so yeah I would be like in these kind of community theater productions 
with like you know the old person who's been in every show mm-hmm. and then the young kids who are there and then some people are my age yeah and yeah it's just a just a wild bunch of us that are like some people want to actually do this mm-hmm. for a living some people are just there because it's a hobby for them mm-hmm. and yeah you get a nice kind of mix them up of sure. uh, people and end up having a lot of time where you're off to the side not doing the thing and you're just talking yeah, and you get used to talking to people who are different ages, and that's really important. I and think, you get a little kid to teach you how to juggle at some point, and you're like, "What's that? <laughs> how you do it?" Neat. I mean, Mary was Mary was on the search committee for the priest we have now. Like she was, on, like she was one of the people who asked questions, and you know, she was like 19. You know, and that's a lot of responsibility to give to someone. But they said, "You're the one. You're going to do it, Mary." <laughs> nice. Um, listen, we've been talking about holy things. But there's also unholy things in the world. Yes. And sometimes they make soap operas about them. <laughs> they do. Now, do you have anything to say on that uh, topic this week? I just have one thing to say. Yeah. Dark Shadows. We're back. Okay. This is Dave talking about <laughs> uh, the Dark Shadows um, uh, soap opera that ran. Uh, many, are we in, still in the 60s? Late 60s? Late 60s. 69. Okay. Six, <laughs> nice. The 60th, um, 60th year. So uh, this is, uh, yeah, 1969. Mm-hmm. Dark Shadows. There's a vampire, one vampire, and uh, other people and, uh, in this land. And Dave's been watching them on Tubi and telling us about them. So let me throw you over to Dave now. Here's Dave. Hi ho, Dave here. Um, I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> just going to. Uh, I think we have to kind of do a quick summary of where Please we are do. in this show because I feel like we've got a lot of storylines going every which way. All right. So let's uh, loose. So let's. Kind of summarize here. So Barnabas Collins, the the vampire, right. is uh, back in 1897. He's gone back in time using the popular time travel technique of the I Ching. <laughs> and if you know the I Ching, that's what it's mostly used for. <laughs> that's right. Like he, Dave thinks yeah. time travel is impossible, as you've heard from yes. earlier on. But of course, then Dave, what about the I Ching? <laughs> what was that all about? That's right. You just you spread some I Ching powder on yourself and you can travel oh, wherever you, you want. Nice. So, um, so, yes, he's back in this time period where we are with the Collins family of that time period where we have Judith, of course, who has inherited the state over her brother, over her brother Edward, who was felt, thought to be the person who would get it all. And her other brother who i can't remember his name because he hasn't tom, been tom collins the tom collins of the yes the inventor of the lemonade based gin drink um he is uh he is yeah there's another brother we haven't seen him for quite a while he was like a bit of a prankster where did he go who knows he's probably has a job on, on a in a broadway play or something so can't be on the show right now so um then we have uh of course the gypsies magda and her husband sandor who are uh you know involved in this whole situation because we've got quentin the other brother the other brother that's not not never think of that guy's name the other brother who's never been seen again um and then quentin of course killed magda's sister jenny who has his wife who he drove insane by leaving her to (laughs) go with edward's wife laura well laura we'll talk about in a second please do but of course magda outraged at the death of jenny her sister uh cast Puts a curse on Quentin. Uh-oh. Now, Quentin is a werewolf when the <laughs> moon is full. Anyway, Laura Collins returned a little while ago. What did she return for? Well, she's a fire demon. <laughs> and she wanted to, you know, set her children on fire so they could join her in some sort of fiery afterlife. 
didn't That's go to mums for you. Didn't, didn't go Wanna to plan. Following your fiery footsteps. <laughs> <That's right>. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that didn't quite work out for her because she was turned into a hideous old hag by the witch Angelique. Did I mention Angelique? Yes, she is still not out of the story, everyone. Don't forget that Barnabas a long time ago. He, anyway, it's a long story. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy thing. Angelique, the witch. Um, so now, as we were saying, Quentin is now a werewolf. And uh, there's one thing he wants, which is to not be a werewolf. And so he has gone to the Collins family lawyer, Evan Hanley, who, as we'll remember, has a little bit of a side practice in the black arts. Okay. And it was through him that Angelique came to this time period because they called upon all the fires of hell to produce something. I can't oh. remember what they were trying to get. So and this is another way to travel in time that is not the each. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can <laughs> also use the black arts. Black arts, Angelique showed up. Okay. So then... Um, so Quentin goes to him and he's like, hey, you got to help me. I'm, you know, I'm turning into a werewolf. It's a bit of a problem. <laughs> sure. Uh, We've all been there. What can you do? And so Evan Hanley's like, well, we can have a black mask. We can call upon Satan. And uh, and literally it That's says that. That's your first idea? This is, this is a crazy <laughs> thing about this show. Like, this is so crazy because because this I is. I got a Parker Brothers Ouija this board This show here. is on after school. Yeah. Kids are running home. After school, they're running home and yeah, they're turning their on their TV. Masses. They're turning on their TV, and yes, here there's a show where this guy is saying, "Appear to us, Satan! Appear to us, Satan!" And a figure appears in the doorway, and they're like, "Who? What is this figure?" And Quentin, who do you think it is? Quentin, who is in such a state, yeah, uh, has is drunk. As soon as he sees the figure in the doorway, he just faints. Good, as you would. And uh, the figure. Walks from the darkness into the light, and it's the Reverend Trask. Oh, okay. It's actually not Satan, although he's a pretty bad guy. Uh, he's come about. He's come about a lease for the school. He wants to sign a, a, a rental lease because he is the school after it got burned down by Laura, the fire demon. <laughs> uh, it's been relocated. And your insurance doesn't cover that. It doesn't. Yeah, that's right. It's right. like act of God. Yeah. Or Z. gods. <laughs> yes, act of raw. So. Um, Rah, rah. So then, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, he's kind of like comes in and he's, he's, well, I came for a lease. I didn't know I came for a mass. So what's going on here, guys? What are you calling on Satan? Uh, speaking as a religious person, I just like to say not approving of this. Yeah. Uh, also. That was your first go? Also, uh, now I know something about you that you probably don't want me to know. So long. And he leaves. Oh. You didn't even try the I Ching? Sending him back that way? <laughs> uh, Quentin awakes. And Hanley is mad. He's like, what could you got me into? Look what kind of trouble you got me. Yeah. You know, I have Another spent years, I have spent years building up a reputation and it's gone in one black mass. And uh, he refuses to attempt to contact Satan again. And he also makes Quentin leave. So back at Collinwood, Quentin, who is not drunk enough yet, I guess, pours himself another drink, a big drink. And uh, there's a knock on the door. And this time it's Mrs. Trask. Okay. Minerva Trask is showing up. And uh, she's brought some plum preserves for Judith. Oh. And Quentin cru- cruelly implies that uh, Judith and Trask are having some kind of relationship. Because they're gone off somewhere together. Because of the plum and preserves? I, I'm surprised you didn't know. Okay. Yeah, plum, plum preserves are a sign. Symbolic. Symbolic of cuckoldry? Yeah. Yeah, pulled uh, stuck in his thumb, pulled out a plum, and said, uh, <laughs> "I like to watch guys uh, do my wife." That's wow, the, that's the old. Uh, I didn't know that was. <laughs> that's, yeah. that. that's the. I must. I must have read the expurgated version. Yep. Uh, Mrs. Trask leaves rather unhappily, of course, or unhappy anyway. 
Hanley then calls Quentin uh, to mend fences. I think he feels like they, you know, they they parted on bad terms. So let's not be enemies <laughs> sure, because yeah. I need all the friends I can get. I've just been discovered, you know, as a Satanist. So uh, this is not going to look good for my clients. You know, they they know that I have a a part time gig <laughs> as a Satanist. So then uh, he says, you know, we and basically wants a unified front against Trask at Winworth Academy. Mrs. Uh, Trask is now accusing Trask in person of having affairs. And he's like, I, you know, yes, I come on to women. <laughs> it's true. I've been overly friendly with widows. Yes. I won't deny that. But it's all for the school. It's not for me. Right. I'm not getting any pleasure out of this. That's right. I want the, want the school for, to be supported. So then he's mad. And so he leaves and he visits Handley. And uh, Trask suggests that basically in not so many words that he has Handley over a bit of a barrel. Because I know that you're a Satanist. <laughs> not everyone else knows this about you, Mr. Lawyer. Mr. Respectable, making wills for people. Mr. Respectable, doing whatever else you do. Contracts, yeah. leases. You know, basically you're uh, over... You're basically a exaggerated notary. But anyway, oh. lawyer. Oh, wow. I know, it's them fighting words. Shots fired. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> All right. Hanley suggests... Uh, that um, also suggests that Trask, he kind of counters. He's like, well, I know that, you know, I may be, I may spend the odd time, you know, pouring blood into a bowl and calling upon Satan himself. But you're a little overly interested in women. Yeah. You're a little overly interested in, I, and I'm just saying this because I'm, I'm interested in ideas. He's like trying to like. Yeah, I'm know, open-minded. I'm open-minded. That's why I got my blood bowl. So they kind of, <laughs> they kind of reach a. An agreement. Take it's sort part. of a, it's a kind of a, 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 you know, sort of, what is it, like a mutual non-destructive yeah. sort of thing? like Or mutual, you know what I mean? Mutual destruction pact. Like if one does bad, the other one will get the other one and sure, blah, blah, sure. blah. So, uh, so, they reach, so, they, he, so Trask wants to make use of Hanley's practice of the dark arts. So, so he may say he disagrees with it, but when it's in his, when it comes to uh, his uh, benefit, he's okay. Yeah, at least it's the arts. Uh-huh. Yes. So back at the school, Tim, does everyone remember Tim? I don't know if you remember Tim. Oh, man, we haven't even mentioned Rachel. We haven't seen Rachel for a while. She's the governess at Collinwood. She has not been in the show for a long time, though, everyone. But Tim and she went to Wentworth School when they were younger as orphans. And something bad happened when they tried to leave. And so Tim is kind of trapped there in an indentured servitude. Anyway, he's being harangued by Trask for his lax marking. He's just being too easy on the kids. Not taking marks off for what he should. But Trask comes, Trask comes in. And basically, he uh, chases Minerva off and comes on the side. Surprisingly, comes down on Tim's side. This is something we've never seen before, so oh, it's okay. kind of weird. What's good going for, on here? Good on Tim. Good day for Tim. Then he says, you know, my boy, I feel like you're not happy here. And Tim's like, you could tell? You know, like, duh. Uh, but uh, Trask is like, maybe you need other opportunities. Maybe work somewhere else, maybe. Maybe that would make you happier. Uh, I know of a job that you might like. And I think maybe you should take it if you're not happy here. And it's a pretty easy job. You uh, are going to proofread an old Latin manuscript. Oh, wait a minute. That a certain lawyer has named Evan Handley. I don't like where this is going. So what he needs you to do is read this book and then give him a pressee of its contents. Mm -hmm. So Tim is pretty proud of his Latin, as Trask pointed out to Handley. So he knew this trap would work. Uh, Did I say a trap? This job would uh, be appealing to him. Uh, Tim leaves pretty quickly. He didn't even give two weeks' notice. He just walked out the door. And Trask calls Hanley. And he says, are you preparing the book? And Hanley says, yes, I'm painting the pages. 
with something. We don't know what it is. But we do know this much. It's bad for Tim. This is not good. Later, Tim is at Hanley's reading a small Latin volume. And he's a bit of a dainty reader. Okay. Uh, he likes to lick his finger and turn each page. <laughs> not so hygienic, but it's a habit. It's not good for the book. It's not good for him. Not good for anyone. Hanley remarks approvingly of Tim's habit of licking. What? Which is weird. What? He says good licking? Yeah, he says good licking, good licking. <laughs> uh, this book is finger licking good. Uh, and then uh, Tim is like, oh, well, you know, it's a long time habit with me. It's one I've never been able to escape. And Tim continues to read while Hanley just stands there and watches him. Okay. Until Tim falls asleep. He is in a hypnotic trance from something that Hanley painted onto the page of this book. Both, I guess, Trask knew Tim's reading habits. And so they're able to use this for their own nefarious purposes. Hanley instructs Tim that upon awakening, he's going to see a playing card with the Queen of Spades on it. When he sees that, he must kill a person. A deserving person must die. Meanwhile, Beth and Quentin are together. Quentin, of course, is in paroxysms of drama because it's only hours away before the full moon. And so he's going to be changing that night. And he's very upset about it. He's at the point of despair, really. He's just given up. Beth declares that she is going... If he won't do it, she's going to go talk to Magda. Okay. And she's going to get Magda to take off this curse. So, cut to Magda sitting in the living room at the old house. There's a knock at the door. But it's not Beth. Thank you. But remember, it's the uh, it's the um, the knock for, for Dark Shadows, which is... <laughs> every time. Okay. I guess that's the one knock effect they had. There's a knock. It's not a Beth. It's not Beth. We thought it would be Beth. Isn't it Beth? It's not Beth. I thought it was going to be Beth. I did too. It's okay. Tim. Oh, hey, Tim. Tim showed up. Hey, have you seen Beth? <laughs> he hasn't seen Beth. He's there. He wants to buy some deadly nightshade for Magda. Oh. He knows that Magda will have deadly nightshade, so he wants to buy okay. some. Uh, he gives a ridiculous story about uh, reading a book of alchemy that uses it for turning copper into gold. Uh, Magda points out, but it's a poison. You use it to kill people. Yeah. Well, she says you use it to kill things. And, uh, like rats. We she, talked about that earlier. She basically screws Tim out of 50 gold pieces. Oh, no. For this uh, stuff. And he didn't even know he could get it on Amazon. Uh, but Tim says... 50 gold pieces. I mean, it's $2,000 $2, for that thing. Yeah, okay. I don't know how much 50 gold Tim thanks her for this and says... He says to her, I know how... He says, I know you know how important it is to me that this remains secret. Because if word ever gets out, I will come back and I will kill you. He just say that to her. Uh, that's the end of the. That's the end of the. Oh, sorry. That's an ad break happens now. Okay. The nice thing about an ad break is that you can cut to something that's totally unrelated. And what I like about this show now is that they avo- often they avoid things like you know they did have the knock on the door in this one, which is kind of lame. But they have the ad break. Then you come back, and now Beth is there. Tim is gone. Beth is there. Okay. Good. I was worried about Beth. I yeah. was expecting Beth at the door mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. Now she's there. All right. Hi, Beth. She attempts to plan. Where'd Tim go? Tim's gone. He All left. Right. He left before the ad break happened. All right. Did he, did he say hi to Beth? No, she oh, didn't. Wasn't there? Weird. Uh, she attempts to play on on Magda's sympathies. She's saying, you know, what if this happened to Sandor? She says, well, it wouldn't happen to Sandor. But what if it did? Would you want to cure him? Would you want someone to help you? And Magda says, if you want my help, all right. Here is my help. Quentin is death to anyone who loves him. Oh, which is good advice. When Beth claims that she intends to marry Quentin and travel the world looking for a cure. A worried Magda reveals that any son that Quentin has will also be cursed. Oh, there's so many curses. So Beth is horrified herself. And she reveals to 
to to Magda that Jenny, Magda's sister, had children. And Magda first says, I don't believe you. She says, I'm telling you the truth. When Quentin left, he did not know. When Quentin ran off with Laura, he did not know that Jenny was pregnant because she didn't know at the time. It appeared after. Like the pregnancy became clear after he was gone. And uh, Jenny had two children. She had twins, a boy and a girl. Okay. But Edward was so upset about Laura leaving that he refused to have the children in the house. And so the children were sent to another family oh, okay. to be they taken didn't care have, of. Like, a little doghouse in the back. No, no, no. Okay. He, they were sent to another family to be taken care of. And Quentin was never told about them. Oh. He doesn't still doesn't know about them. All right. And Magda is uh, becomes visi- visibly upset because she cannot lift the curse. She is, you know, now she's upset that she didn't know that. And she says, tells uh, she tells Beth that the boy must wear a pentagram every day of his life. <laughs> okay. That's the only thing that will prevent this from happening, I guess. And then she insists that Beth leave mm-hmm. back at the back at the. Uh, Back at, back at the Collinwood, Beth is with Quentin again, and Quentin is totally given over to fate. He's become fatalistic. He's just like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. There's nothing I can do to stop it. Magda's not going to stop it. You can't stop it. And then, you know, he's he uh, he knows that, you know, Beth's visit to Magda was in vain, and he insists that she leave because uh, he's going to change soon. You have to get out of here. And she, she refuses. And then the transformation begins, and he's in incredible pain, and he says, Beth... You've got to get out of the house and forget about me. And then she runs, she leaves. And then we cut to at Evan Hanley's. The, uh, he, exam- he's exa- he examines the deadly nightshade Tim obtained and says, she really gave you a lot. She's really generous. It's <laughs> <laughs> just weird. Uh, then he suggests they sit down to a game of cards. And as they're playing, uh, Evan reveals the queen of spades to Tim. Tim uh, reacts by standing up, pouring, pouring some brandy, adding the deadly nightshade to it, and then insisting that Evan drink it. Oh. Which is not quite what Evan wanted. Yeah, well, if you when, insist, I mean, what can you do? And when Evan, like, you know, refuses to, to drink it, Tim then starts to, tr- to try to strangle him. Evan is finally able to bring Tim back under his control, but uh, that was a n- near miss for him. Uh, Beth rings up Evan Hanley to plead for Evan's help. But Evan's like, there's nothing I can do. This is out of my hands. Also, I've got some problems here. I got a guy who tried to kill me. Um, Judith overhears Beth on the phone, though, begging for Evan's help. And she's, what are you phoning him about? And Beth prevaricates, saying something about the children. And one of the children is sick. And Judith tells Beth that she wants to reveal the existence of his children to Quentin. And Beth is thinking, well, he's a werewolf. So he's not, not the time. But also, even after that, he's a werewolf. Yeah. He shouldn't know about his children. This is not a good idea. Yeah. They're his pups. They're <laughs> his pups. Uh, so then we cut to later. Barnabas is now at Collinwood, and he hears the wolf's howl. Barnabas wonders why the creature is always on Collinwood property. He doesn't know that, that Quentin is the, the werewolf. So okay. he's wondering, why is this werewolf always hanging around this place? Um, a goldsmith then calls Collinwood and speaks and uh, calls... Uh, for Barnabas. Well, how he knew Barnabas was there is a good question. Yeah, maybe he know. phoned the old house first. Yeah, okay. There's no phone at the old house, though. Um, so, yeah, this Wilson tells him that Beth was in and bought a pentagram. So now Barnabas is confused because he says, so Beth knows who the werewolf is because she knows there's a werewolf. That she, otherwise, she wouldn't be buying a pentagram. Um, Where does she buy it from? Pentagram shop? Yeah. Like gas station? The jewelry shop. Oh, gas. Oh, okay. It's, so a, jewel, it's a goldsmith or jewelry shop. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. Uh, then, um, we go back to Hanley's. Evan, you know, 
try, try. First, you don't succeed. Try, try again. He begins another game of cards. <laughs> and he reveals the queen of spades again. Ugh. Tim performs this task again. But this time, he just puts the brandy down in front of, of Evan Hanley. doesn't insist that he drink it. Okay, that's more polite. Yeah, more polite. And Anyway. Uh, back at Collingwood, Barnabas returns from visiting the children. Oh, sorry. Beth returns from visiting the children. <laughs> there is the familiar knock at the door. Nice. And uh, who could it be? Dave asked while he turned the page. <laughs> it's Tim Shaw. What? Oh, what? What? Yes. He's been cued by the Queen of Spades. Okay. He's now arrived at Collinwood. Uh, he says he's been sent by Trask to collect the children, meaning uh, Jameson and Nora. Gotcha. You know, they're still alive. Their mother didn't get That's the, good. Didn't burn good them alive. Them. So, yeah. That's a step in the right direction. Judith, worried about the werewolf, insists that he stay the night because, you know, there's a werewolf roaming the grounds. Loud shots are heard outside. Barnabas returns to say that hunters have wounded the animal. Beth is visibly upset, which does not go unnoticed by Barnabas. Beth returns to her room, but what do we? What do you know? There is the familiar squeaky toy bat dangling outside her window, and suddenly she is joined by Barnabas. She's like, well, how did you get in here? Barnabas reveals to Beth what he knows about her, but she refuses to tell him who the werewolf is. So what can he do? He bites her on the neck. <laughs> now she is a blood slave. And she reveals that Quentin is the werewolf, and the story, and his curse. After Barnabas leaves, Beth um, leaves, Beth takes a pentagram necklace from the drawer. So Beth has her own pentagram necklace. Okay. So that's good to know. Magda arrives at Collinwood. She puts, uh, oh, she pulls a small gun from her, whatever, for the folds of her dress. Oh, okay. And examines it. Then she puts it back in her pocket. Judas somehow knows that she's at the door. I guess she heard the gun being fondled. And opens the door. She refuses to allow Magda in, though, to talk to Beth. So Magda says she had some important information to pass on to Beth, but it's a no-go. Uh, so then Judith decides that she's going to go to bed, so she shuts up the lights in the uh, drawing room, and then she closes the door, and then she closes the lights in the landing, and she goes upstairs. And Magda takes advantage of this to sneak in through the, uh, through the apartment window. After Beth and Barnabas catch up on some plot development, very important sometimes. Sure, to, sure. Take a little pr- catch the the, the, the yeah, watcher. They, did, the they didn't have podcasts back yeah, then. Yeah, they yeah. have to like do it themselves. <laughs> uh, he leaves. At that point, Magda approaches Beth. She asks she asks a couple questions that are important to her. Does the child wear the pentagram? <laughs> yes, Beth says. Does Barnabas know about Quentin? Yes, he promised to help Quentin. Says Beth. Magda folds down the collar and uh, sees Barnabas's. Oh, sorry. She pulls, uh, so Magda pulls down the collar on Beth's dress. Okay. And she can see the two puncture wounds. Uh, yeah, it's a telltale. Oh, did I? Yeah, so I said that she... Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. So she uh, she tell, she says, I have to go. I cannot trust you, Beth. Because <laughs> now you're a blood slave of... Yeah. But she tells Beth that she will help Quentin, but won't say how and leaves. Outside, she rechecks her gun. We see the werewolf stalking outside in the woods. He comes upon Collinwood. Inside, Beth paces the foyer, worried. Judith comes from upstairs. <laughs> She comes downstairs to talk to Beth, and then she notices the door to the drawing room, which she had closed earlier, is now open. And uh, just one second. Sure. Turn the page. Just going to turn the page here. Just going to turn the page. Please do. And in the drawing room, the windows are open. Beth goes upstairs to her room to discover it's been turned upside down. It's oh, no. It's an absolute mess. She knows something is up, so she goes back downstairs. Judas is phoned by the sheriff. The animal was shot. But they failed to capture it. Um, so yeah, Judas is 
Sorry, let me just find out here. So uh, she hears a noise and goes out into the foyer to investigate. The werewolf is standing upstairs on the landing. He jumps down and approaches her menacingly. Time for an ad break, everyone. We come back. As he approaches her, Beth appears and and wards off the werewolf using the pentagram. So she shows it it and it runs away. It feels like an infomercial for pentagram. And jumps out the window. Uh, which is mysteriously open still, although Beth had closed it, or sorry, Judith had closed it earlier while they're talking about it. Thanks, continuity errors. <laughs> Cut to Magda, searching the grounds with her gun drawn. I call in with Judith asks Beth a lot of hard questions that Beth cannot answer because she doesn't want to tell her uh, what, how much she really knows about what's going on. Because it doesn't just, doesn't just mean about Quentin, but also she knows a lot about Judith, Edward, and everyone else. So she just doesn't want to you know that to be known. So she's very much uh, vague. Vague, very vague. Outside, the werewolf comes upon comes upon Magda, and Magda Magda shoots it with her gun. Ooh. The werewolf falls to the ground. Dot dot dot. That's it for this week of Dork Shadows. Okay, what do you think's gonna happen? Yeah, she is Quentin going to die? If only the werewolf had a pentagram. <laughs> if everyone had a pentagram, we wouldn't be having these problems. True. Okay, fair enough. Very true. All right. Going, shutting this down. Um, I'm going to tell you a story, uh, and I'm going to read a series of letters to convey it. Okay. Nah, I'm just going to read letters. <laughs> okay. Uh, last week on the show, we asked some questions uh, as we do. Uh, our questions were, what movie or TV show had made you cry? And what's your favorite uh, pet uh, name uh, that you've ever heard? So there you go. Those are some nice questions. Um, you know, tender questions, gentle, tender questions. Tender and, questions. And uh, we have uh, some responses. Uh, Lisa Williamson, the co-host of uh, Sneaky Dragon uh, podcast, Horse Mysteries show uh, that she hosts with some dude, um, says, One, the final episode of the TV show Medium made me cry. I read the uh, book The Time Traveler's Wife, and I don't think that made me cry, but the movie did. And number two, I may get back to you on favorite pet names, or maybe not. So I guess we're never going to... Oh, wait a second, she wrote back. Uh, Pet names. Uh, I know there's some great ones I'm forgetting, but one group that springs to mind was my old riding teacher's own show horses. Uh, Well, they had fancy uh, show names like Lash and Swank and Baccarat. Their barn names always evoked images of little old ladies, Muriel and Myrtle and Mavis. Growing up, I think those are the murderers in Arsenic and Old Lace, tying it back to our earlier uh, things. Growing up, I got uh, to name a lot of our animals. In grade two, I got a cat who I named Musette after a character in my favorite TV cartoon movie. Musette had uh, just one baby. That uh, movie turns out it was uh, Gay Puri. Puri, yeah, yeah, Gay Puri, yeah. the uh, Chuck Musette. Jones. Yeah, a uh, Musette. Musette, yeah. Musette, oh, pardon. It's a... Uh, Spelled, uh, at least I didn't realize, but it's, 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 it turns out it's spelled M-E-W-S-E. So the cat T-T-E. was named incorrectly. Why? Because it was uh, M-U-S-E-T-T-E, according to Lisa here. Well, you know, she didn't have to fill out a birth birth record. Okay, well, all right. I think none of the cat's documents are correct. <laughs> a very handsome blue-gray I called Shotin. Uh, Chotin. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get all these wrong. Why am I reading this? <laughs> we also had an old Tom called Tusi. I'm waiting for a correction. Nope. Don't All right. And a turkey called Franksgiving. <laughs> he died of old age. <laughs> and shame about his name. Uh, one foal we had was very tall and leggy, so he was skinny, malinky, long legs. Skin for short. Ooh. 
And another uh, used to uh, make a little grunting sound that sounded like he was saying, hey. So we nicknamed him Herbert already, uh, which uh, then became Herbie. And his registered name was Hey Herbie, which was great to hear called out when he was running down the racetrack towards the finish line. Hmm. Uh, then later, I started naming most of our animals human names. We had some great cats, Bobby, a bobtail, yeah. Gerald and Madeline. We had horses named Millie, Simon, Elkie, and Norman. Uh, my mom mainly got the job of naming our calves. We had uh, Aberdeen Argus, so they ended up with names like ha- uh, Hamish and Morag. And then that Morag went on to marry uh, Steve Smith. <laughs> Hold back the water. Hold it back. Uh, currently, uh, both our dog, Al, and our cat, Risa, came with their names, as did our pony, Harris, and our and my horse, Archie. I uh, did get to name the chickens, though. I named them after rappers, but then Ian joked uh, about an even better name for one of them, so now they are Tupex and Puff Mommy. But I usually just refer to them as the chicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the, like the formerly the Dixie Chicks. Now they're also just the chicks. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan Bampton uh, writes, Hi, Jonathan. Uh, They should have changed it to the Pixie Chicks. Oh, uh, Hey, Sneakers. Number one. Hello. So many episodes of The Twilight Zone made me cry at random and submitted for your approval. An episode called The Trade-Ins with Sterling's closing narration, Not a Lesson, Just a Reminder, from all us sentimentalists in The Twilight Zone. Big sniff for me. Number two. (laughs) I've never owned a pet as an adult, but I do like the name Cohen, not just sucking up, and Freckles for Dogs, or even just Daniel, our first dog. Yeah, Cohen, uh, we got him when he was uh, eight and came with the name. Actually, uh, had like a fan page on Facebook. Hmm. Um, stop, uh, stop sneaking, dragons. Never forget your roots. But time to start strutting. P.S. Ian, when was the last time you danced? Uh, about three days ago as part of a video game kind of fitness thing i'm doing uh but if you're saying out at like a party or some kind of shenanigans like that quite a while quite a while uh dave please uh we want uh, a chicken update so i'm gonna ask you for that in a second and as you read this find the biggest object in plain sight not uh, in drawers in the room that uh, is red in color and ask the owner how long they have it for approximately further question next week that is all (laughs) All right. Uh, chicken update, please. Chicken update is, uh, well, I mean, our chickens are pretty, you know, they, they live like just they live their life. You know, like they don't really like get in our way. They do their own thing. We do ours. But we, uh, yesterday, the one of the chickens came up on the deck. They're kind of okay. curious what was going on. But when I let Elle out, uh, then it went back downstairs. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, a dog. I'm going downstairs. So I went back down the stairs and they're hanging out down there. Um they seem to be saying they're hungry, but I don't know why, because they have food. Like, they have lots of food. Okay. But they say they're hungry. I don't know. Maybe I'll change out their food. Maybe it's getting moldy or something. But um, they're doing good. They love uh, hanging around the bird feeder, because mm-hmm. the birds drop. There's, like, the way the bird feeder is designed is it's supposed to be, like, the birds that, like, certain things will drop the seed, some of the seed down onto the ground because they don't like it. And then the birds that like to eat off the ground will, will go down there and, and get the seed. The problem is, though, is the chickens love that seed, too. So they just hog it all. There's always down there. A couple of jerks. But we are making sure that they're locked in at night. We're just... And now that now that cold, the cold is gone, we've uh, turned off their light again. Because it's not good for them to have a light on all the time. Because then they think it's daylight. So I, if it's warm enough, I, I just let them... 
wonder if these are feathers. Like daylight saving time or not. <laughs> they hate it. But hey, speaking of Jonathan, please, which we were, we were. I don't know if you knew that. Tell me more. Um, a little while ago, we asked for some complaints, and uh, Jonathan sent a complaint in. Hit me with it. So I'm gonna play it for you. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. You know what I want to complain about, Ian and Dave. You know what really grinds my gears, <laughs> trademark Peter Griffin, is that nobody ever says just once for fun, for a bit of variation, they never say versa vice. It always has to be vice versa. So how good is the concept if you can't even reverse it and use it? And everyone just says, huh? What? That's what I'm angry about. And I'm also angry that I used to be able to do a dead end, like a dead set great impersonation of Dennis Leary. And now I can't. Okay? Okay? <clears throat> There you go. Well, he really tabled the turns on us. <laughs> well, that's thank all you facto your, ipso. Thank you for your complaint. Mm-hmm. We will uh, send any complaints related to Latin phrases to the uh, Latin Commission. Yeah, we'll send them to the dead letter, dead language letter office. <laughs> uh, Louise writes, Louise, who I had tea with recently, I don't want to brag. Tea? Yeah, and she brought like a lovely apple cake. Oh, so good. Couldn't so eat, delicious. I couldn't eat it anyway. You couldn't eat it anyway because... Uh, it's cause, Lent. Yeah, Lent. Uh, absolutely. Love the sugar, everyone. Yep. Not enjoying it. Oh, well. That's... It's not terrible yet, but it's getting there. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, Louise, Brought it on myself. This is true. Yeah. That's, no that's how Lent me. works. <laughs> uh, the most recent film to get me all choked up is the Oscar-nominated live-action stop-motion animated movie... Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Hmm. It's a full-length faux documentary about a plucky little shell with one Google eye and a pair of sneakers who lives in the nooks and crannies of a B&B with his grandma. The rest of his family went missing uh, when the couple who used to live there split up. The emotions it evokes are so human. It could be used as an empathy test to spot replicants. Don't watch the trailer. It gives <laughs> away too many story twists and turns. Uh, I also uh, like the uh, name of the family dog, in Pierre Burton's children's book, The Secret World of Og, it was Earless Osdick, <laughs> a riff on Fearless Fosdick from the Lil Abner uh, comic strip, who was a riff on Dick Tracy. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like uh, Marcel the Shell. Which I haven't seen the, the film, but I really like the shorts that uh, are online. I, uh, I like Jenny Slate's stuff a lot. Lisa responds to Louise saying, love The Secret World of Og. Fun fact. My grandfather was Pierre Burton's uh, mentor when Pierre Burton worked here in Vancouver. At that time, PB was the youngest uh, editor of a national newspaper in Canada, I assume. He was 21, and this was in World War II. Hmm. Nice. He went to UBC. I used to like him uh, on Front Page Challenge. Okay. Yes. Uh, Edward Jurgansky writes, Before uh, question and answer, allow me to address this whole Shazam issue. (laughs) I like that start of a letter. All right. I've looked up the cast because I was curious uh, what the names of these characters are being uh, that they've uh, been around for some time now. Uh, without one marvel in sight, Mary was named Superhero Mary, as were her siblings. So I guess they had no names for the characters yet when they're superpowered. Oh, and there are two Shazams, both Superhero Billy Batson and The Wizard. I agree 100% that Warner Brothers should have made Shazam in the same style as the original Fawcett books used, I think they could have uh, made something for families that was as quirky and fun, a uh, quirky and fun team that stood out from the rest. I'm not up to date on why Warner Brothers can't call him Captain Marvel. He'll always be Captain Marvel to me. <laughs> I'm sure it's some legal issue with Marvel Comics. Haven't we come far enough to play nice, uh, 
together in the superhero film sandbox. Uh, I will go and see the film because I like the first one. But again, you guys are 100% right that Black Adam should have been connected with Shazam somehow. And who knows if they're on different Earths. But Black Adam was a wasted opportunity to uh, build something onto Shazam. Uh, if you do like Shazam, and again, you know, just read old, you know, Wiz comics and <laughs> things like that. Uh, C.C. Beck uh, yeah. uh, stuff. Um, but I would also recommend Jeff Smith's version of uh, the character. It's okay. Uh, I don't like the talkie tiny in that so much. All right. Very good. Dave doesn't. But uh, I like it. It's got one of my favorite panels. Uh, which is uh, all the crocodiles going, we've lost, eat the children. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's just, I, I think he should have changed Takitani. There we go. Strong Takitani. Uh, you know I'm a big Takitani fan over here. Takitani the talking tiger. David also really hit the nail on the head quite hard for me <laughs> when he gave his analysis of the difference between DC and Marvel films, and I completely agree. Again, when I was working at Lone Star, we had a saying, Marvel had the better characters and DC had the better stories. DC famously created uh, the idea of alternate Earths and multiple variant characters years before Marvel. Marvel sustained a single uh, world with singular characters and team-ups until the Ultimate Comics started up about 25 years ago. DC can get away with their multiple Batman because they uh, own that from way back. Marvel is still finding their way around the multiverse concept they've created, and I look forward to seeing how it all lands. DC also owns the one-shot stories that aren't held to any ongoing storyline. They just happen without any connection to any sort of timeline. Marvel always seemed uh, to be held to their own timelines and the current position of all their characters. With that in mind, I buy the fact that DC has successfully produced films like Joker, Watchmen, and The Batman that aren't held to any uh, congruent storyline. In fact, I saw that going forward, James Gunn will refer to these as Elseworld films, just like the one-shot comics are named. Too bad Shazam wasn't treated as an Elseworld story. But can you imagine if Gunn uh, plans anything as epic as Justice, Identity Crisis, or Kingdom Come? Those are all three huge DC stories that need no build-up or previous in introduction, and I hope they keep up that method of non-linear storytelling. Then, on the other hand, you have Marvel Studios, who have their own way of doing films, and I've always been happy the two studios haven't tried to mimic or outdo one another's style. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, I would agree with Justice and Kingdom Come, and not so much with Identity Crisis, because they really then did tie that in with continuity a lot, and we eliminated like Elongated Man and Sue, and you know from the thing, especially Sue, obviously. <laughs> um, and uh, and then you know, it, it that went to some places I was not as big a fan of, but I really loved uh, Kingdom Come. I saw Star Trek Beyond in 2016 with my son. There's a scene near the beginning where Spock, Zachary Quinto, is going through Spock Prime, Leonard Nimoy's belongings uh, after his death, and he comes across a photo of the original Enterprise crew. I just lost it. <laughs> it's mainly because we had just lost Nimoy, and that hit me really hard. No idea it was coming. My son looked at me during the scene and whispered, Are you okay, Dad? I told him I was fine. I'll explain later after the movie. My son isn't the Trekkie that dear old dad is, so afterwards I explained my blubbering outburst. <laughs> and he said, emotions. Don't have emotions, dad. Be Vulcan. Be very Vulcan. I didn't say that. Uh, growing up, my dad reserved the right to name all the pets. My family dog uh, we got uh, when I was tw two years old was named Alfonso de Palantine, or Alfie for so short. He died when I was 20, so I basically grew up with him. Dad named all the cats, too. We had Louise. 
and her one kitten, Rudy, that we kept. There was E.T., who we found in a field running through the high grass, much like the famous extraterrestrial at the time. I'm glad the government didn't get him. <laughs> uh, my grandparents named all their German shepherds after royalty. So we had king, prince, duchess, and duke. My senior art director at my previous workplace was a cover editor at DC before we met. And he named all his cats after the Catwoman actresses over the years. So we had Meriwether, Newmar, and Kit. Pfeiffer was the latest feline in a long line uh, the last time I was at his house. Uh, thanks, Dave, for noticing the detail in naming my late uh, Mina Harker. <laughs> I picked that out that name out for her. It, uh, it came to me at the time we adopted her since Susan was reading Dracula. Ah. Uh, Mr. Jinx is obvious. I always liked the Hanna-Barbera cartoon with Pixie and Dixie. Last, we have Charlie, who was a female with a Charlie Chaplin mustache print on her face. Groucho and Ollie didn't seem feminine enough, and Hitler didn't work because Mr. Jinx is Jewish. So they're simply Charlie. And if you're still alive after reading this, thanks for everything, guys. You're killing it. <laughs> and it's not a proper weekend with both of you. I think I'll go have a cup of coffee now in my sneaky dragon mug. And don't forget to spring forward this weekend. Dragatsky out. Nice. Now it's time for a little Mick Elliott, Dave. Nice. Prepare yourself. <laughs> Hi, gents. The biggest tear-gushing episode I ever had at the movies was in 1989 when I saw Dead Poets Society. It was pretty much the exact age. I was pretty much the exact age of the characters in the film, and it was at a very, uh, I was at a very strict private school, which uh, had more interest in its own reputation than in the individualism of its students. I was a total wreck by the end of it. <laughs> my friend and I, uh, seeing it uh, with uh, uh, my friend, I was seeing it with was thoughtful enough to suggest that we leave the cinema by the side entrance, since lest the entire foyer see me in my blotchy face shame. <laughs> uh, it's a little-known film, but The Mighty with Kieran Culkin also used to flush out my entire tear ducts. Ditto to Kill, uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. There was something about that uh, Elmer Bernstein title music and the opening credit sequence that would leave me emotionally raw before the film had even started. More recently, I finally saw the Richard Linkletter film Boyhood, almost 10 years after it came out. It totally tore me apart as it cuts to the heart of being a father. Enjoyed your discussion of Clerks 3, by the way. <laughs> I've only seen the original Clerks back when it was released, uh, though I won't be popular uh, to his fans to say it. I've always thought that Kevin, film, uh, Kevin Smith's films were lazy, self-indulgent. He seems to be over-enamored with his own... Uh, pretty repellent characters and he doesn't seem to push his scripts too far beyond a first draft here here yeah there are infinite other low-budget indie directors from the 90s whose films deserve sequels than clerks would love to see where all the characters from Whit stillman's early films have ended up in 2023 that is all i would love that too. not dave he hates Whit stillman <laughs> not true Lisa responds, ooh, good one, Mick. Love Boyhood. Great film. Should have gotten an Oscar, in my uh, humble opinion. I don't know. The, just the effort alone. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I think it was that dumb Bird, Birdman movie, whatever it was called. It won. Oh, this is so, like, shrug. Very like, good. I think time will tell. I think time will be kind, very kind to, to Boyhood and not very kind to uh, the other Ding Dong movie. Peter Ayers writes, Dear Dave, Ian, Edward, Lisa, Louise, Jonathan, etc., <laughs> Ducking in under the wire, Congress crossed, to chip in with a couple of things, starting with the question of the week. Nothing makes me cry like people handling awful situations with quiet dignity mm. and decency. <laughs> the documentary Searching for Sugar Man, about the disappearance and musical renaissance of the musician Rodriguez, 
had me welling up uh, at three points, particularly an interview with his daughter. In fiction, Roma is quietly, shockingly, and cathartically tear-inducing. Favorite pet name is easy. A sheepdog I met on a bus named Malcolm. <laughs> I can't express how delighted I was to hear Dave talk about The Endless the other week. Oh, good. One of my favorite films of recent years, whose ideas and ellipses have lingered in my mind like a few, like few works managed to do. I love the meta-commentary that the characters are contained by the medium uh, uh, through which we are seeing their story. And I love the many puzzles that are left unanswered. I would strongly recommend Benson and Motorhead's even lower budget romantic horror, Spring, which explores the paranoia of new love and features two uncomfortably well-sketched British oinks abroad. Benson, One- I don't... Maybe, maybe Motorhead was a spell check change. It's okay. not the name of the other person involved in the... Uh- the team. I can't remember the name of the other director. Okay, so Motorhead didn't get involved. All right. <laughs> yeah, Motorhead was not part of it. I don't think so, anyway. Well, that's interesting. One last recommendation before I skedaddle. The Lovecraft in, Craft Investigations is a radio drama which transposes a trio of HP's uh, weird tales into a modern setting in the form of a true crime serial podcast. And it's utterly brilliant, intriguing, hair-raisingly creepy, and occasionally laugh-out-loud funny with strong performances and a witty, playful script. I probably oversold it, but do give it a go. <laughs> Thanks for all the sneaking and dragoning. Ta-ta for now, Peter. And a uh, little you. tag. P.S. for David. Not for broadcast? Then I'll shut my goddamn mouth. <laughs> David, have you got any emails? I do have an email, but just one second. I'm just looking up this. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. What is it called again? The Lovecraft Mysteries? It's called the Lovecraft Investigations. Investigations. Sorry, I was just looking at my phone when this happened. Investigations. Weird, it's not. Oh, my phone is being kind of weird. It's not. Oh, there we go. There we go. All right. Okay. Let's see now. Subscribe. All right. Hey, folks, guess what? We have an email. What? what? I'm going to read this email what? to you. This email is from Laurel Robertson. Laurel says, Answers of the Week. Oh, just before I read the story, Laurel, sorry to interrupt you. Just one second. Peter. Thank you for talking about The Endless. I, I agree with you. In fact, I mentioned there was that movie they did before it called, I think it's called, um, what's it called? Oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, I got to remember it so I can watch it. But um, I want to watch that one all the way through. And then I'm going to rewatch The Endless after I, because I really enjoyed The Endless. And I always enjoy like real mindfuck kind of movies like that or TV shows. And I always want to rewatch them. So I do plan to uh, give that one a, uh, another another look. Another look and also... a um, Mick reminded me, time to rewatch Metropolitan. I haven't seen that for a couple of years now. Okay. Time to throw that on the old DVD player. Hey, everyone. This is from Laurel. Laurel says, the subject is Answers of the Week and more. Okay. Hello, Sneaky David and Sneaky Ian, and sneakers all around the world. Great fun show, and I loved it all, as I always do. I couldn't get into all of the Changes songs, but appreciated hearing them, and I'm looking forward to changes too, David. Ian, yeah. a couple of episodes back, you kindly mentioned a New Yorker issue in which you and Pia recently had a cartoon. Yeah. The games issue. Yeah. When I heard that, I panicked. Uh-oh. I was pretty familiar with the issue because I was meeting I was meeting around with a couple of I was meeting let me just read this again. I was pretty familiar with the issue because I was messing around must have been messing around with a couple of the squirrely games they have in it. But I was sad because I thought it had gone out with our latest donation to the library. But no, last night I found it in a stack by my bedside table. You see, my husband gets the subscription. 
He has for 25 years or so. My goodness, every week. That is a real commitment. And he reads it cover to cover. Like I said, commitment. When he is through with each issue, he tells me if there is a piece I may be interested in, and I usually peruse the table of contents for something that especially catches my interest. For the most part, I am a book reader. Well, in that stack is where I found the games issue and found your comic, and that was a huge relief. Yay! So it's now in the fridge, because it's so good. All that is to say, Ian, thank you for letting us know. Also, David... I had to laugh out loud when you said you'd watched We Have a Ghost. Well, thank you, Laurel, for laughing out loud at my ridiculous movie choices. I appreciate that. I laughed because we watched it all the way through, and it was pretty bad for the most part. I mean, the editing. Well, they must have quit mid-film or something. That scene where the ghost got in a car, turned it on, and drove away, and the very next scene, the teens are in it, driving with no mention that the ghost had swiped the car or anything. Phew, so bad. And yet, that last part by the lake with the great David Harbour... I had tears, just like you, <laughs> rolling down my cheeks, too. I know, he's so good. He is so good. Okay, questions of the week. Or, she says here, okay, cues of the W. Okay. The movie scene that has me bawling, even just thinking about it now, is in Homeward Bound, when that old shadow finally comes up over the rise, calling, Peter, oh, Peter, I missed you so. Choke, choke, choke. And then she has a little crying emoji. My fave pet names are pretty much those of all the many beloved cats and a few dogs we have had. Granted, I named many of them, but that's not it. What causes me to love those names is the association of each with the sweet memories. We do still have three cats, Etta, Elsa, and Jet, and two dogs, Young Nash, the Yellow Lab, and Old Prairie, the Terrier. That was rather a long email. I'd better get it sent, or I'll miss the show recording. Love and best wishes for a grand week, Laurel. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you for writing. I always love to hear from you. And that's a lot of fun. So I guess we have to think of questions now. I guess one of my questions would be, uh, have you ever kept a journal? Mm. Yeah. Have you ever uh, done that kind of thing? And, uh, you know, uh, was it when you were younger? Do you do it now? You know, uh, how thorough was it? All that. But just generally, have you ever kept a journal? Hmm. All right. Um... I guess my question would be, oh, what's my question? Uh, okay, we uh, talked about t- what made a horror movie. We talked about those guys. Yeah, things. I was just thinking about movies actually, because I was going to say, uh, let us know what movie you think should be on the uh, be up for best picture this year. Sure. Maybe one that's there now, or one that is not on the list. But let us know what you yeah. think. What movie do you think should be uh, best picture this year at the Oscars? Right. At least nominated. All right, everyone? Yeah, and uh, not really a question question, but just like if you want to answer it, it's up to you. Uh, What do you think goes into making a horror movie? What's the difference between like a horror (laughs) movie and a thriller? Yeah, well, I'd say thrillers are very close together, but yeah. 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 All right. Uh, And so here's what you do if you want to uh, write to us. Uh, You can email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You can go to Facebook. We're at Sneaky Dragon. You can go to Twitter. A sneaky underscore dragon or tumblr sneakydragon.tumblr.com but you know what all the cool kids are just going to sneakydragon.com the website <laughs> and that's where we got every one of our episodes and underneath each of them is a little space there for your messages and we would love to hear from you there you can also listen to any of our past episodes uh oh, so many episodes of sneaky dragon i can't even tell you for free but you can also listen to horse mysteries 
Uh, you can also listen to old episodes of Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. You can also listen to Completely Beatles, Totally Tintin, Full Marks, Fansplainers. Oh, so much. What a cornucopia of corn. <laughs> give, give, give them a listen. And hey, you're going like, it's too bad I can't comment any of those old episodes. Wait, you can. And uh, who knows, we may even uh, read some of those comments. We don't know. It's possible. You know, we're still planning on uh, doing uh, maybe like one more uh, completely Beatles episode. Yeah, how about that? That could happen. We did a totally Tintin like years later, <laughs> like a ridiculous amount of years later. We even went to Belgium for it. I know, crazy, right? Yeah, but we do, that's the kind of thing we do. That's our commitment to you. Uh, but thank you so much for spending some time with us and listening to us yap about what is and what isn't horror and movies <laughs> and such things and personal things and journals and all oh, oh my gosh what a wide variety of nonsense uh i've been ian i've been david and uh, thank you for your kind attention we will see you again or talk to you again very very soon take care catch you no go ahead dave go, say it catch say you on this what, what are you gonna say say it catch you on the side flip <laughs>